When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. That's the job of the Morning, morning. Hello. Wednesday. That means the back is broken on the week well and truly and we're into the home straight. <laughs> Unlike RTE, who are just starting on to the second furlong of what's going to be a very, very long race for them. More later. I'd like your thoughts on where things are going and where they might go. Um, we'll have a look at what the latest revelations are. Stuff that started to come out last night about letters to Ryan Tuberty telling him that he wouldn't lose any money. Don't worry about that now, Ryan. You'll be grand. You're all right. That's D Forbes right to Ryan Tuberty telling him, no, you're fine. You're grand. You're grand. So it'll all be fine. It'll all be fine. Don't worry about that now at all, bye. You're grand. That was one thing. And then loads, loads more of these barter accounts, which, by the way, everybody uses them, right? There's, there's barter accounts all over the gaff. It's, it's a way of doing business. But they seem to be doing it a bit more often than others and putting strange things through them that most people wouldn't put through barter accounts in, in a fit. Um, and there's more to come, lots more to come. I think it's going to be an adventurous afternoon or an interesting afternoon. I'd be torn this afternoon actually between Wimbledon and the Oroctors Committee. I'll have to have two tellies to, to see what's going Anyway, of that later on, we'll, we'll have more. And your thoughts on what do we do? Someone was sent me there while I go... Just shut it down now. Just close it all down and open it up again under a new name and give people new contracts and just get rid of them all and clean out the whole lot. Not too sure it'll come to that. Mind you, the most... (laughs) I could be nasty, but I won't. It's not in me. So There was a, a contribution made to this entire debate in the last few weeks, which only came to my attention this morning. And I don't know whether he said this in the doll or whether he said it in one of the committees. Um, But I never in all my days, I'm doing this a long time, and I've heard strange things said in the Dáil and the Shannon at all hours of the day and night. 
It was a night they sat there till nearly four in the morning sorting things out. And we all know what that led to. People sitting on laps and all that. But I never thought I'd hear the day someone would quote Bosco in the doll. In 2017, the times these secret payments started, RTE senior management were looking at stopping children's broadcasting being developed by them. And at the time, Bosco made a statement to the journal, I don't trust the bosses in RTE. How right they were. Bosco! Bosco! Quoted in the doll. It's a funny place in which we find ourselves. Anyway, far more serious things. In eight weeks from now, eight weeks, lads, they'll be starting to arrive for the new term at UCC and CIT, I guess, but UCC we're going to focus on. And they'll be coming back to second year, third year and fourth year, and thousands of new students will be coming forward into first year. And they'll be coming from all over the city, county and country. And already they are working very hard up in the Students' Union, and I'm sure right across the college accommodation people, to try to figure out where are all these people going to live? Not the ones who are coming in from Douglas or coming down from Nottinghini or coming in from Man, Not those people, but the people who are coming from Killarney, people who are coming from Waterford, people who are coming from, as they do, from Limerick. People coming from Mill Street to study at UCC. Where are they all going to live? Haley O'Connell is the newly elected communications officer at UCC Students Union, and it's 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 already looking pretty bleak. I think Haley, with with several weeks to go yet. Morning. Yeah, exactly, and. The options are becoming less and less and the price is higher and higher. So we are anticipating unprecedented amounts of requests for accommodation in the next few weeks. Is it around this time that the, that the interest starts or do people wait until they've got the Leaving Cert results and the CAO points? We get some inquiries now. Like I, we have our accommodation Facebook page and we have the accommodation office in UCC and we'll be starting to get inquiries now. But when the... CAO office come out for first years, that's when things really pick up because people are looking for accommodation for the first time. A lot of people from last year might have accommodation sorted already. They might be lucky enough, but first years coming in, they, they are definitely at a disadvantage, yeah. Is it possible to finish in your accommodation with the end of the college year and then pre-book for the next year or do you have to go back and and, and start again? It is possible, yes, but I think a lot of the accommodation does still work on a lottery system, so it's very much luck, luck at the draw whether you get it or not. Um, for private-owned accommodation, I think it's quite difficult to get in the door. Hmm. There's a shortage, a, a huge shortage. There's a shortage, and also um, even when rooms are there, students are being priced out of accommodation, but there's no way that a student can afford to pay the sort of rents that are being charged at the minute. I mean, if you look at 2017, the Daft rent price report told us that the single room in Cork City was going to cost you €399. Euro. That is €598 euro today from the last quarter of 2023. It's a 49.8% increase. And even we like we worked out the rate of inflation, even taking in inflation from May 2017 to May 2023, inflation's at 17.9%. So the accommodation market is completely out of control. It's way above inflation and it's only getting worse. Now, everywhere I look, Haley, there seems to be more student accommodation going up. But it's yeah. not keeping in line with demand, I think. 
it's not keeping alignment with demand and also it's uh, most of it is private owned purpose built student accommodation and the price of them is crazy and that's not what students want we want investment from the government in our education we want an increased investment and we want a 40% state subsidies for public owned purpose built student accommodation I'll tell you one of the accommodations being built at the minute and looking on the website you can get a studio apartment in there 430 euro a week but I'm why would we be building that in the first place? Why are we not building public-owned, purpose-built student accommodation? Like, investors are just building these things to make money off students, and it's ridiculous. The government needs to step in. We don't want any more private-owned student accommodation. It's not sustainable. The minimum wage at the minute is 11.30. If a student is working 15 hours a week, and that's at a push as well, like college hours are quite long, they're making €678 a month. And if the average rent of a single room is 598, you're left with 80 euro for the month. Like, I don't understand how that's sustainable. I don't know what the government wants us to do if they're not going to put money into this for us. We're kind of left with no options but to take out huge loans or jeopardise our studies to try work more hours. It's, it's becoming completely unlivable and I think it's pushing people out of education. Hmm. There's another issue has arisen over the last week or so. Haley, I'm sure you're aware of it, and that is that the Cork Student Village will be taken out of commission this year to, to house, well, it's being refurbished, but while it's being refurbished, it's going to house refugees. Now, does that take from the stock in, in a large way? It's hard to know. I mean, we are we're struggling to find like where that information is coming from. It's not UCC-owned, so we don't have a lot of intel on it. But also, at the end of the day, PJ, like everyone in this country deserves to be housed, and it is possible if the government would invest in our futures. Like I, we see very little need to be finger pointing other people who are just trying to be housed the same as students. There, like this is not the. Oh, I, I, the I wasn't intending to oh, do God, that. No, no, no. I wasn't intending. It's, just, it's out there, and and the minister <laughs> yeah, for, for finance has been talking about it. There's a 12-month contract, we understand, has been signed with the government. The Ukrainians need a place to, to stay and all we can do for them, we need to do. But it's it's right in the middle of of student land. Yeah. It, it's going to end up with, with even less stock for students. Yeah, and even if the government would enforce um, rent caps and make accommodation that's there more affordable to students, then we wouldn't be running into as many issues. But they, they don't they don't seem to want to help us out. They don't seem to want to invest money into the future of students. They they just don't seem to want it. They're happy to leave these privately owned places, build student accommodation and make profit off that. And there's not proper legislation for tenants who want to rent in digs. So that really leaves students unprotected. Students are going to take rooms that they can get, even if they're terrible quality. Like the landlords, they have too much power. There's not a lot of options for us. And yeah, it's getting ridiculous. And we're, we're afraid coming into the academic year, we're going to have a lot of students knocking on the door trying to get help from us. And, you know, there's only so much we can do for them. We're going to help them as much as we can and the accommodation office. But we know that there are students who are going to end up being forced to commute really long distances and it's going to be really hard for people. And we're worried. We're really concerned. You mentioned uh, landlords, unscrupulous landlords dealing in cash. You'll have seen the survey recently from the residents down there, Magazine Road, of yeah. just how much of that is going on. Yeah. It's really disheartening to see, you know, like we we really want to get everyone on the same page and we want to help students out and we're hoping to launch our student tenancy rights campaign come October to let students know what their rights are as tenants because a lot of people just don't know and they're pushed into the first accommodation they can find and they're not in the position to say no to it and they're not in the position to question their landlord 
and they should know their rights the same as anyone else. There's a lot that they're entitled to that I think students aren't aware of mm. um, in terms of like getting deposits back or like what they should expect from a private owned accommodation going in there. Like you should have certain facilities and we really want people to know that. So we are developing a campaign at the minute where we're going to give students access to these rights in like an easy format and we're going to distribute those during the first few weeks of college. So. Yeah. I think what you're saying to me very clearly, Haley, is look, this is the first week in July when we get into the middle of September. Do not let anyone tell you we didn't warn you that this was coming down the tracks. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, look, here in the UCC Students' Union, this is, I think, week four that we've been in office. We took office on the 1st of June and the outgoing were very clear to us that this is going to be a huge problem come August probably earlier and we've been pressed on this but there's only so much that we can do like we really at this point do need the government to take extreme action and like with the budget coming up we'll be very clear with what we need Mm. we need rent caps we need the eviction ban back and we need public purpose-built student accommodation not private and we're going to be very vocal about that. Worrying times ahead then for people who are heading to college particularly, I guess, for the first time, Hayley, already already they're sitting down with their families thinking, okay, if I get my points and I get my place, what do I do then? What what would you advise them to do? Get onto the UCC accommodation office. There is some absolutely great staff over there doing great work, really fighting for students. Start looking early, it's awful, but even before people have got their offers, which is, I, I even feel bad recommending that because it's, seems quite unfair that you would have to be dealing with all the stress before you even know if you've got into college or not. Um, But I would say start looking early and the accommodation office is a great facility and they they will help students out any way they can. So will the union. Like if if people get on to us, we will give them all the supports we have. Hayley, I expect we will speak again before the year is out about (laughs) this. Unfortunately, I think we will. Good talking to you. Take care now and thank you. Thank you very much, PJ. Thank you. You're welcome. And, and best of luck in, in the year ahead. That's the newly elected communications officer at UCC Students' Union, Haley O'Connell. Yeah, today is what? What date is today again? Today is the 5th of fifth of July. So if you're looking at the calendar, 5th of September is only eight weeks away. And by then, people will be starting to pile into college. I'm not too sure when college actually opens, but they'll be starting to pile in looking for accommodation. So we're less than eight weeks away from the start of it and no space for students. And I know Haley didn't really want to go there with regard to that one complex been taken out of commission to be refurbished. And while it's been refurbished, they've taken out a contract to house Ukrainian refugees there. Now, look, the Ukrainian refugees are entitled to a place to stay. That, that is what it is. There's two things from that. First of all, they're taking out all those student places to refurbish it which you'd wonder why that wasn't done in the summertime, but at the same time too. Isn't it a bit disrespectful to our Ukrainian visitors to throw them into what will effectively be a building site for 12 months? Isn't it? I know Haley didn't really want to go there, uh, and I understand that, I appreciate that. Um, she's going to live and work in the midst of student land, uh, and uh, we've varying views on that. But I just wanted to throw it out there for what it's worth. It's not a rumour, it's the truth. Uh, Minister of Finance was asked about it last week, that complex uh, taking out of... Com- but you hear that price for a studio apartment? A studio apartment in student accommodation. Nearly, nearly 500 quid a week, lads. A week. Like, that's that's gone completely and utterly. 
Bunkers. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Cork Simon. Do you want to leave a legacy to the city you love? Find out more about leaving a gift in your will at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Sandra, you'll be on the radio next. People a bit concerned up around the Harbourview Road area. Roadworks have settled in there and it's causing a lot of rat running and people are worried about the safety of Smallies up around Ascension Road and Ascension Heights. Uh, Sandra, hang on for me. I won't keep you waiting long. This came in, though, and I wanted to do it before we kind of went too far into the summer holidays and people would would forget it. Hi, PJ. I came home last week. This is from Dave. I came home last week and my wife was telling me we had to drop 40 quid on a voucher for a class gift for my young fellas teacher. This sounds like a load of old BS to me. What's wrong with leaving an apple on the desk for the teacher? Is this something that's particular to middle-class schools? Do other schools in Cork do the same? Would you ask your listeners about this scourge, says Dave? Please prove to my wife that I'm not cranky. I'm in the majority of right-minded people. So I'm assuming here that this was being done through a, a mammy's WhatsApp group, I think, because there's a lot of them out there. So they had decided that the teacher was getting a voucher from the class as a gift. And every parent was going to drop 40 quid, presumably through Revolut or something like that, for the voucher. Now, if there's 20 in the class, that's 800 quid. If there's 25 in the class, that's uh, that's 1,000 euro which is a nice handy voucher for any teacher to get to be heading home for the holidays. I don't begrudge it to the teachers. They work very hard, particularly with primary school kids that they have all day, every day, five days a week. But Dave's point, like what happened to buying the teacher a box of chocolates or something and letting it on the desk? Dave would... Okay, Dave might be a bit tight-fisted with one little pink lady apple or one little Granny Smith. You know, come on, Dave... You know, I'd do better than that at the end of a school year. But the idea that you would collect 40 euro from every family in the class to give a voucher to the teacher, and the teachers are delighted with it. Teachers will be thrilled. But, um, yeah, so Dave wants to know, is this something that's purely for middle class schools? Have we lost the run of ourselves entirely? Do every school in Cork do the same? And please prove to his wife that he's in the majority of right-minded people. Dave was... Dave went, 40 quid? For what? Huh? I think he gave it to her in the end, but there you go. 0818969696. Thankfully, I'm out of that chapter of my life too. I do remember a teacher one time saying to me, though, do you know what? With end-of-year presents, PJ... This was we, we did we did this on the air a few years back. 
one teacher rang and she said she she just retired, but but she said, do you know what, PJ? She said I I really did appreciate everything the kids brought into me, whether it was a card or something they'd made themselves or some mammies might bake a cake or or whatever. But she said if I see another bloody Yankee candle on my desk of a morning, I will throw it out the window. Love to know what you think. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Sandra, thank you for holding. There are roadworks up in Harbourview Road there. They've started in the last while and they're causing problems in Ascension Heights and Ascension Road. Morning. Yeah, good morning. Um, Well, basically, we were notified two weeks ago that there would be road work, that there would be road closures. Hmm. On the 26th. Now, we were the only ones that got the information. There was a leaflet came to our door because we're, my, well, my daughter has a business there and she'd be the only business that was affected by it. So there was no alternative routes explained, no detour signs advertised. Basically, there was no one got in contact with us to put these plans in place. Mm. So, so where were these roadworks exactly? Right, so... They said it was closed off from Baker's Road and going up the start of Harbourview Road. Hmm. So Harbourview Road, no, the, the start is closed off right upside my place there. So is that as you turn off Baker's Road, say, to go up? Yeah, so you're, you're coming across Baker's Road. You turn off up left and um, it's all Harbourview Road then going towards Holly Hill. And how are you supposed to get up if you live up there then? Where are you supposed to go? Well, that's the, the problem at the moment is that everybody that ascends onto Harbour Road is taking a detour through Ascension Heights. Now, Ascension Heights is behind me. Uh, if I can explain it, I'm on the right as you're going up Harbour Road. Yes. And then you take a turn into Ascension Heights or you can go straight up onto Kilmore Road. I know where you're talking about. I know the turn off. Yeah. 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 So, so they're using Ascension, Ascension Heights as a rat run. Basically, yeah. That's what they're using. So before time. they hit the roadworks, is yeah. there traffic lights in place and stuff? No. No. No stop and go. There's uh, The whole road is just closed off by fences. Oh, really? Yep. The whole road is closed off by fences. There's no stop and go. Right. So you can't and get through at all. So Harborview Road is blocked. It is, yeah. Yeah. Crikey. And how long is that going to be for? Uh, they said till, this is supposed to be till August. And then they, they'll do the second phase of Harbourview Road then go towards Holly Hill uh, from August to November. So we're talking we're talking up around November. And what are they doing? It's water work and drainage. So while all this is going on, and we appreciate it has to happen, yeah. Ascension Heights is now a rat run and people are driving, I think, what you wanted to get across. People are driving at the same speed they'd drive up Harbourview Road. You see, with Ascension Heights, it narrows at the beginning. Yeah. And then in the centre, it widens out. And then it narrows out again as you come out onto Churchfield Green. Yes. But the thing about the centre of that is that you have an awful lot of children playing on their bikes, playing football, mm. as it widens out there. So it's a perfect little hub for them. It's the middle um, of a residential street, of course. It, is, it was play. never made for that kind of traffic. Hmm. 
Mm. So you have cars parked either side belong to the residents, and then you have two uh, lanes of traffic, one going in and one going out, constantly. Right. And like I said, the residents got together, very concerned for their children, very concerned for their property, which is parked out, outside off-road. Mm. Um, so we just got had a meeting and um, we're trying to get things in place. We're trying to get bollards in place. The lights at Baker's Road, they're actually ignoring them. They're going straight across now because we don't have any traffic coming down off Harbour Road. Right. So the pedestrians there ha- are finding it very difficult to even cross that that mm. section of the road. So that needs to be uh, addressed. And Ascension Heights needs to be addressed. Have you spoken to any of your local public reps? Well, we have. We have. And um, it's just wait and see. This is all under the new uh, regeneration uh, works. I'm surprised to learn that such a busy road as Harbour View Road the work must be done. We're not disputing that, but they We're couldn't find some that. way yeah. to yeah. to do a stop go situation. Well, they literally send it on us on the twenty seventh and just push, just close the road. No warnings. People coming down, finishing work from Apple. And oh God, you've all, all the, the Apple traffic is going through now as well. Exactly. Yeah. So every everything now is being detoured on the back road, but you have Dave McCarthy Road now up by Apple. That's closed off as well. And they're going to take that shortcut. No, I can't blame people for doing that. But at the same time, there's an accident or something seriously, more seriously, going to happen in that area. It's an accident waiting to happen. If and, it and It's not just because of someone driving badly. With the best will in the world, someone driving as carefully as they can, you can't legislate for a smallie running out after a ball. No, exactly. And it has happened up there on, on a few occasions. Have there been near misses already? Yeah, there's been one or two near misses. There was one lady there um, trying to get her mother into the car and um, she couldn't open the door to a car because of this two lanes of traffic. And you say it's at this end of, or that end of Harbourview Road for a few weeks and then going up the other end. So you could have this coming into dark winter evenings too? Well, the kids are going back to school in August, so it, there's going to be more chaos. Oh, no, I forgot that. Yeah. Oh, God. So the more you tell me, the more I feel for you. You have Apple traffic. Uh, we have kids playing for the summer. So God help us, they can't even go out. I think I send down your uh, researcher there a little sign that the kiddies were after making up there saying, like, you know, please don't come through where we live here and we want to go on our bikes. Ah, yeah. And they're on the summer break and they're entitled to go and play, like, you yeah. know. And then but when they're back to school, dangerous. all the school traffic will be there. Then you're going to have all the school traffic then. And then God knows what comes in behind that then because these roads, they're saying a few weeks. But realistically, it's not going to be for a few weeks. This is going to be until the end of the year. Oh, Sandra, I don't envy you. I really don't. Thank you for your call. Not at all. And um, hopefully guess the council will get it started out soon enough. Even if they did some kind of stop, go for you, you know? Some yeah, kind of an simple, simple common sense, like that's all it takes. Just a little bit of well, common sense. You know sense. what they say, and I'm sick. I'm, I'm blue in the face for telling listeners this for years, Sandra. Common sense ain't all that common. No. <laughs> the older I get, the more I see it. You have a good day. Take care. You too, PJ. Thank you. Cheers, Sandra. 
it just sounds so dangerous what she's telling us. Anyone else up around that part of the world um, who is affected by that, that road closure? 0818-96-96-96 on Dave's email about presents for teachers. And I know it was last week now, or was it last week or the week before now you were doing the presents for teachers? Last week, I think. Uh, and Dave... Dave's missus said to him, we need to um, sort out 40 quid for a voucher for the teacher. And he goes, what? 40 quid? What happened to an apple on the desk? But but anyway, that's a by the by. I think he gave it, gave up in the end. But he was just wondering, like, is this the norm? Or is this just a middle class thing? I don't know, Dave, whether it's a middle class or what class it is. What was it? Fourth class or whatever class it was. Just listening, says Sheena, just listening to that man talking about the 40 quid for the teacher. What would the story be if you had four or five children and they all had different teachers? Love the show from Sheena. Thank you. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. It's time to nominate for the Quartz 96 FM Best of Cork Awards. Best of Cork Awards. Best of all. Best beauty salon to breakfast. Best barber to gym. Hairdresser to hotel. Best business Instagram to best bar. And more. See 96fm.ie now to nominate. Then stay listening. Stay listening. Are you ready, ready for the light? The Best of Cork Awards 23. The Best of Cork Awards 23. You're the best. Only on Cork's 96FM. Michael, you wanted to talk about the RTE situation. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Well, primarily it was in relation to a comment that, that was earth-shaking, I think, a couple of weeks ago on the Tonight Show, when Eamon Dunphy, as a panellist, revealed that in 2009 he was being paid €300,000. I have it here, actually. Year. I have it just to remind people. I, I, I saw it live. I knew, though, because I knew how much Dunphy was being paid back then, but it is what it is. Um, he, it wasn't a surprise to me. He's always been expensive. But anyway... Um, Let's have a listen back to that, Michael. Hold on. In 2009, I thought I was being paid too much. And I rang Noel Curran, who was the head of RTE at the time. And I said, I want to take a 10% cut, which is £30,000. And I took it because I was looking all around me um, in my family and my neighbours and my friends at the suffering. I thought it was too much. About 300000 I had this radio programme, which was doing very well. Mm and the football, but it was too much, in my opinion. Now, Ryan Tuberty was earning 170000 uh, in 2011. These were different times. The point I want to make is this. Sometimes you need to do the right thing, because, as everyone knows, you're nothing as a high earner, as a personality, as a journalist. You work for the people, and without the trust of the people, you're nothing. Without the affection and trust of the people. And that's what I did. Now, if you multiply that 30,000 over the next five or six years I was in RTE, it's quite a sum of money. The reason I make that is not to uh, make myself look good, but to contrast this grubby little stroke at a time of COVID when people are absolutely losing their jobs, their businesses and everything. And would it have come to you as, as a surprise, Michael, that he was being paid that much while he was working in RTE? 
most certainly would, because I looked at the situation at that particular time when there was Bill O'Hurley was the anchor man, and there was Johnny Giles, and there was uh, one or two more there. And, and if you were kind of to create them all around the same kind of money, it was 1.2 or 1.5 million per annum uh, discussing yeah. football matches. Yeah, now, I, I'm not too he, sure how much Brady was paid or Giles. Well, it doesn't I, I don't matter, and I, and I didn't, I didn't state what they were. It would have been fairly handsome, money. to be honest, because they did, they paid very well. But it was covered, you see... Michael, those things were covered by the sponsorship of the coverage, and it was always very heavily sponsored. So you'd you'd cover a lot of of wage out of the sponsors. Oh, I accept that, and they were pulling power in respect of their names and their backgrounds exactly. yeah. in football. But notwithstanding that fact, that thirty thousand euros mm. uh, in two thousand and nine, there are guys in RTE today in two thousand and twenty three, and they're earning that they're only earning that kind of money as down. employees Chalk of down. RTE. Yeah, you're dead right. And another thing, if that was the commercial side of it, they were very sensitive in, in other ways uh, themselves because they were coverages in respect of the license. Uh, a former working colleague of yours on the Today Show with Dari made a comment that he didn't particularly like paying the license and they chopped him straight away and got rid of him off the show. I don't ever recall admitted, that now. I don't know who you're talking about. And he, he had, he had, what I'm talking about, Need Friend of her, uh-huh. and he admitted that himself. But mm. the point I'm making is they were very sensitive when the man expressed an opinion about his intentions of paying a license in this day and age. Yeah. They decided that they'd take him off the programme. Do you, now, do you, do you were, pay your license, Michael? I do. And will you pay us the next time? I won't. I'd be, I, and I don't firmly believe that there'd be a, a call on anybody because the advertisement with the, with, with, with the semblance which says the inspectors are calling. We haven't heard that for the last three weeks True. and we won't be hearing that for a long time again. Yeah, yeah. We did this the very first couple of days. We just asked people, didn't take a poll or anything, we just asked people would they pay their their license fee again. I said, ours is paid. It's one of the bills that Mrs. pays, and it's paid since about April, I think. And I asked her, would she pay it the next time? And she said, I'd have to think about it, you know. Right. But I'm a firm believer in RT, and I always have been since it was in, since its inception in 1961. Mm. And I think there is a, there is a need uh, uh, for public broadcasting yep. Yep. Uh, yep. in yep. this country. But there is a responsibility and an onus. And uh, some time ago, uh, the RTE authority were the main people responsible for looking after everything and anything that went on in RTE. Yeah. But it got very, very loose in the last 15 that, That's now years. the executive board, I think. Uh, no, the, 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 the expression that Eamon used, grubby little deal, I, I think that's a very pertinent one. And I, I liked his choice of words there. Um, Eamon didn't, didn't hold back. But if you look at what's happening this morning... Now, Michael, the latest chapter, we've letters from D Forbes to Ryan Tuberty promising him there'd be no pay cuts. I Pat- saw that. Pa- Patrick Keelty was offered business class flights to get to rehearsals. He turned them down. Croke Park was rented in preparation for the Toy Show musical. That was a complete flop. There's That's more right. barter accounts flying around. No, suffice to say, barter accounts are used across the industry, but not to the extent they seem to be used in RCE. And well, no, but it's, it, a battle account is going on in this country as a contradict every day of the week in respect correct. to business and trade. I'm, I'm yeah. glad that you use that term because they're more they're more commonly known as contradeals, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. known with that at all. But it's what they were being used for, like sending people to Rugby World Cup and stuff. It's just exactly. some story. Hold on. Hold on. Here we go. Ah, this is interesting. Now you'd be interested in this. It would appear that um, Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly have spoken up this morning. This is just breaking at the moment. They have offered to assist the Oireachtas Media Committee with their inquiries 
into the non-disclosure of payments. That's well, if chapter. I was on one of those committees, and I think you told me that, the first question I'd ask if I, if I was a TD representing a constituency, or I was on the GSE, or I was on the media committee, I'd ask, when Ryan Tuberty sent in Noel Kelly to collect his 150000 and when he got it for him, he sent, instead of paying him, which he should have done, he sent him back in to collect his commission of eighty grand, which RTE paid to Kelly. Now, I go back to the other five top earners in RTE who are also represented by Kelly, and I'd ask them this question. Have they paid Kelly for the service he done for them, or mm. did RTE go back in and pay well, them well, well, as well? On the basis of how agents work, and Noel Kelly just being the most powerful agent in the country, but trust me, he's not the yeah. only one. And their uh, agents work throughout the building, or throughout the business, rather. There's a, there's a saying in media, Michael, particularly in, in BBC, and they're like, you're worth what your agent can get for you. Yes. But it's also in the interest of the agent because I think I think Noel, who I've only ever met two or three times in my life, never spent more than 15 minutes in his company, um, he he wouldn't have a small fry like me. He wouldn't have me on, on his shoe. Um, I'm too small for him, and that's Come fine. On, no, that, and that's fine. <laughs> but anyway, no, no, like like he is fifteen percent. So you can imagine how much money he's making out of Ryan, out of Joe, out of um, is it? With, he's got Pat Kenny as well. So the one big fear I have this morning, PJ, and I, I, I round off more or less on this on. is that the old saying: too many, you know, too many chefs spoiled the broth. Yeah. We have so many. We have a media committee. We have a public accounts committee. Yeah. We have three different organizations set up, uh, subcommittees set up now with different personnel, right, left, and centre. Now we'd be flying with so many reports going around the place at the moment that we almost need an air an airport to guide in the reports yeah, at this stage in a couple of months. Time. And I might tell you, Michael, it's only starting, boy. That's all. That's no, all. Sta- we'll still be here Christmas week. <laughs> One wondering how, we're wondering how much Santa gets p- paid for that exclusive phone call on Christmas Eve. <laughs> My, <laughs> Michael Goodman, thanks a lot. If you've anything to say on the RTE situation, 0818 Now, um, Sandra, a few minutes back, talking about Harbourview Road and the, tr- the roadworks and the blockage and the rat running through Essential Heights and Ascension, everything else... Uh, local councillor Mick Nugent. Mick, why is Harbour Road completely closed off? Was there no option for stop go? Good morning. Hi, PJ. Um, well, it's not completely uh, closed off. It is closed off at the junction with uh, Baker's Road, uh, but you can click slightly on to Harvey Road from um, other other areas. Yeah. But I think what's um, what's affecting the residents, though, and it's something that we did the local councils, we did flag it to the city council's regeneration team that there could be a possibility that people would use Ascension Heights um, as as a shortcut, mm. which, which has are. happened, you know. Yeah. They are, actually, and I passed it regularly myself and done a run in the mornings. So I went down there, I was talking, they like to have a guy there, um, MMD, who are, doing the, who are doing the project, to have a guy there and the signs there, you know, but... Unfortunately, all the motorists are, a lot of people are just ignoring them and, um, and just using Ascension Heights. And the thing is, PJ as well, which kind of gets me as well, how people just drive in their speed as well. You know, I think they're thinking someone will be coming against them and they're just driving speed. So it's a real level of concern for residents yeah. and a number of us local councillors. I know there, are bumps. I know there are bumps on Harvey Road, aren't there? Are there bumps in Ascension Heights or those places, no? Speed bumps, no? No, no, it's quite a narrow, it's quite a narrow um, terrace. Um, it's quite a narrow terrace, so 
Well, we're hoping we did have the meeting the other night in um, Sandra and her daughter Laura's um, hairdresser there, um, P.K. Barber. So we got a petition signed by residents. I handed that in yesterday to the City Council Regeneration team and I'll be going back there today. So we're hoping for some progress fairly soon, PJ, to do even a partial um, partial closure there for the residents, you know. Okay, okay. Stay in touch if there's any movement on that, Mick. Thank you. That's Councillor McNugent. There's a two-car crash has been reported to us this morning at the Lakeview Roundabout. The Lakeview Roundabout, this is the one by Middleton. Uh, Big delays. It's affecting traffic in all directions. It would appear one car seems to have mounted the roundabout and hit other cars. Those details still come into hand. We sincerely hope that no one is is hurt uh, down there. But if you're heading anywhere near Middleton or around Middleton or down to Yall or anywhere like that, you can expect a delay at the Lakeview roundabout, the big roundabout there, as you pass Middleton by the bypass. We'll keep, we'll keep tabs on us. The road to Yall, of course, blocked also. 0818969696. The Best of Cork Awards are back. I love doing this. And every year we have a great night when we present them. And listeners and advertisers and friends of the show and friends of the radio station come in and we have a great night, great party night, usually in mid to late August. But your job is to select our winners. Now you're nominating at the moment for the Best of Cork Awards 2023. We're looking for their nominations for the best breakfast, the best barber, the best coffee, beauty salon, bar, hotel, burger, pizza, business Instagram, gym. Loads of them. And all the categories are there and we're open for nominations now. Then the next stage is when we have the nominations in, we do a short list and then you vote and then we do the awards in August. There's a €5,000 media campaign from Cork's 96FM up for grabs for one of our award winners as well. So go to 96FM.ie now, find the category you're interested in, nominate your favourite, nominate anyone you want, and then we'll do the shortlists and then we'll do the voting. We'll have loads of fun with the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. Love the show, PJ. I get migraine. This is on Dave's email. I get migraine when I hear about teachers' gifts. What about people who are struggling to get by? This situation has become a joke. I always got my kids to make a card, and then I picked up something small, maybe worth around a fiver. That's giving away my age now. But that's the way it should be. There's no law to state you have to give anything. Uh, Thank you. There isn't. No, there isn't. There isn't at all, but but that has kind of become a tradition, and I'm not. Go- I'm, I, I'm throwing myself under a bus, and then when the bus has gone over me, I'm throwing myself under the truck coming behind it by saying this. I think that the mammies, or parents, but especially the mammies, WhatsApp groups, are not helping here, because nobody wants to be the one that didn't contribute, and they're collecting the money through the WhatsApp groups and they're revoluting it probably to the one who had the idea so if if if, if Mary didn't get a revolute from Sinead for the required 30 quid she'll all be talking about Sinead behind her back in the WhatsApp group 
I know. I am digging my own. Do you hear me shoveling? I'm digging my own grave as I speak. Kevin says on RTE, they're hanging D Forbes out to dry. That's as predicted. But when asked last week about the slush fund, it was one slush fund. Now it's three. Is there more we don't know about? Oh, Kevin, this is only starting, my friend. This is only starting. The barter account was being used as a kind of slush fund. I should stress, and Michael made an excellent point, barter accounts happen all the time. They're more commonly known as contra deals, and I could spend half an hour here explaining to you what happens in a contra deal, and you'd be bored out of your mind. But it really just means that certain things happen that are paid for through advertisers, and it's it's written off as in, you do a favour for me, I'll do a favour for you, and once the accountants are happy, everybody's happy. And it's all legal, and it's all above board. Um, so, to have a barter account or a contra account is, that's not wrong. What you use it for, though, you have to be careful of. John says, in 2009, politicians took the power away from the Auditor General to audit RTE accounts, and all these barters have started since. Yeah, I think what has been mentioned in the last few days by the Minister, Catherine Martin, is that the Controller and Auditor General may have the power to go in now. They're setting up, was it two committees, two three-person committees to examine the affairs of RTE, and then the Minister under the Broadcasting Act has the power to send in, if necessary, send in the Controller and Auditor General to go through the books of RTE because so much taxpayers' money goes into the place. I'm just thinking, actually, RTE used to start up, and Wayne was telling me this morning, they still do this every day, every morning, very early at the same time. There's a little tune that they play, and they've been playing it since forever. And it, it's actually quite, it's, it's quite nostalgic, you know. Every morning they do this. Half past five. Didn't know that. Thanks to Wayne for telling me. I thought they'd stopped doing it years ago. I'm thinking how it might sound today. Wouldn't it sound the same? How might it sound? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over thirty five years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's ninety six FM. It's time. It's time to wake up. Wake up. Lorraine and Ross in the morning starts July seventeenth. Test drive the award winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at Null DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Go on and entertain me. Corks 96FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96FM. Actually, there's more details just there as Vic was. Uh, reading the news there's more details emerging of this letter sent through a firm of solicitors by Noel Kelly and Ryan Tuberty to Neve Smith the TD Fianna Fáil TD who's chair of the media committee 
They say they wish to fully cooperate and assist with investigations into RTE expenditure and governance. They say they have important information that will assist the committee in its work and clarify a number of things that have been raised. The letter says both parties are willing to attend at a suitable time next week. They would welcome the opportunity to set out their position and to take appropriate questions. The letter also says they're preparing a booklet of relevant documents and that will be circulated to members of the committee in advance of the meeting. And they've also written similarly to the Public Accounts Committee. It's it's starting to seem feel like a Netflix series. It really is like starting to feel like a Netflix miniseries now, going on from from week to week. More on that if and and we get it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The number of the text or WhatsApp is oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. The email is opinion at ninety six fm dot ie. The email particularly handy to you if you're overseas at the moment on holidays. If you're going on holidays, remember you can take us with you. Take us on your phone, take us on your iPad, just download the app. Or if you're one of these people who brings your Alexa away with you or your Google, whatever it is, and you set it up on the Wi-Fi in the apartment, then just ask it to play Quarks 96 FM. And you can catch us here. I love it when this happens. I really, really love it. I read this out yesterday, not once but twice, because I was concerned that people mightn't have heard it the first time. Mary McCarthy's Irish Dancing School were recently representing Cork in a festival in Sorrento in Italy. And they got an award there in the style of a plaque, a little plaque in a box. Lovely piece of... Lovely little thing to have. They were on their way back after this event and they pulled up on the coach outside the Church of Our Lady Crowned in Mayfield a Sunday evening. And between the jigs and the reels, the bag was left either on the wall or on the ground, the bag that had the award inside it. I had some more stuff as well, but they really only cared about the award and they came to us yesterday to know could we put it out there. Mary McCarthy, you got your bag. We got our bag and we're all very happy. (laughs) Where, Where Was it handed in somewhere? What happened? It was left exactly as we thought on the wall. It was in a paper bag, so we were keeping it dry. And we went back up within 10 minutes and the bag was gone. So through the powers of Facebook, um, we found it. We contacted with Leanne, whose son, Kai, was going for a walk with her on Sunday evening. He's eight years of age and he spotted the bag. He looked in and he said there was a handbag in it with it. So they kept it safe. And isn't it great to see that an eight-year-old boy mined with the bag for us? That's brilliant. That's brilliant, brilliant. Fab, I'm all delighted. And you picked this award up over in Sorrento. Tell me more about that trip. Yeah, so we performed at the Tarantella del Vesuvio Festival in Sorrento. Um, there was 43 of us over there. Wow. Um, 28 dancers, ranging from approximately 13 up. Um, we were the only Irish group. There was uh, countries, Bulgaria, Croatia, Greece, Hungary, Italy, loads of different countries, and we were the only Irish group. Were they doing their own Irish, their own dances, or was it all Irish dancing? 
We were the only Irish group. They were doing all their own uh, groups from their own country. That must have been some fabulous festival. It was absolutely How did you get involved in that, Mary? So in 2010, I felt there was a need... um, PJ for for dancers to perform without necessarily competitive. Mm -hmm. They wanted to come two days a week. They wanted to perform to the best level, but they weren't interested in taking it in the competitive route. Mm -hmm. So we were invited to perform in Euro Disney that year. Um, So it started in Euro Disney, and since then we've gone to Barcelona, Prague, Florence. um, Also, it's a yearly trip, yeah. It's a, every two years we do it because we try to fundraise as much as possible. Now it's it's hard to fundraise for I'd these say things. Taking a bus, do. taking a bus load of people away to Sorrento is not cheap. And young people, and yeah. young people. But the festival is is sponsored to a certain extent, so it, they do make it as reasonable as possible for us. But obviously, the flights and things are expensive. Of course, of course, of course. You'd but, ball. Uh, how, how, how long? How long were you away for? We were away for five days, just. Uh, but it was absolutely, I can't compliment the teenagers in this group. Yeah. Because sometimes teenagers do get a bad name. Yeah, that's but right. I could not com- I could not but compliment them, every single one of them. It's, it's, you know, isn't it? And what age range are they in, Mary? So to join into this group with us, you have to be going into secondary school. Right. So we went from 13 up to 20. We even had three or four of our retiree dancers who are well past 20 who came back to travel with us again. So it's great. What an opportunity to get yeah. in your teens to go off. Yeah. But sadly, PJ, in 2020, it was cancelled. We were due to be going in 2020. Mm. And like everything else, it was cancelled. Ah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. This group was 88 in 2020. There was 88 of us. But COVID didn't didn't help this group. It mm-hmm. was an age group that was hurt, um, and we we struggled to keep the uh, team group going over COVID. But we're building it back up now, so, and it was absolutely brilliant. We had great fun. So, so, so when when will the next one be, and where 2020, will it be? Twenty twenty five, and we've had a lot of offers over this week. But it looks like maybe roads in Greece. Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we have to start the planning now. Can I dig out my old dancing shoes? <laughs> You'll be more than welcome, DJ. <laughs> We'd be delighted to have you. <laughs> you're, you're never oh, no, 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 Mary. If you saw now my two big clobber hopping feet in a set of dancing shoes. Everybody can dance, DJ. We'll teach you to the best of your ability. Isn't that... Brilliant. I'm so thrilled for you. Will you do yeah. us a favour? Will you send us a picture of the, 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 the plaque? I will, absolutely. And, and we'll share it, because I think that, I think, you know, you're, and you're right, some of the kids get get a hard time sometimes, and we don't, it's brilliant to have good news on a Wednesday morning when we're surrounded by, by bad stuff. I'm delighted you got it back, but I never knew anything about this, this biennial trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. You know now, so you're prepared for 2025. I think I'm a, a bit past it where the dancing goes. <laughs> Mary, I'm delighted for you. Will you send send that, that picture into us? I will. Put in on the WhatsApp. We'd love to Kai. share it. And a huge thank you to Kai for finding the bag for us. Kai and his mum's name is? His mum's name is Leanne. Yeah. All right. Listen. Thanks. All to, right. To, thank to, you very much. Cheers. Peter, thank you, Mary. Thanks bye. 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 Yeah. And Leanne, especially, you are raising a kind, 
and diligent young man who found this lying at the side of the road and decided it was somebody's and it should be gotten back to them. So he was a fine, upstanding young man. Give him a good treat for that. Now, a sad little story, but Chloe, someone came to your assistance and you want to thank them. Um, I'm sorry to hear about your little your little cat. Morning. Morning. Um, yeah, one of my cats got knocked down and passed away, unfortunately, the other day in Carrick too. Okay. Um, but I, it, we actually knocked him down ourselves, unfortunately. Oh. We reckon he climbed into our engine and decided to jump out on the main road when we were on the way to collect our daughter from camp. Okay. Um, so I was jumped out of the car and ran back, but my partner had to carry on to collect the small one. And when I jumped out of the car, I was in an awful state, obviously. I was bawling, crying. My so cat was my baby. So the cat, it happens, the cat had climbed in as they do. Yeah. They climb um, in and go to sleep inside the engine. Oh, no. Yeah, like we would normally check now every single day in the winter months, but with the weather being so warm, we never thought that one mm. of them would climb in in the heat, you know? Yeah. Um, so my partner pulled in for us. Um, I jumped out and ran back down the road, and I was in hysterics. Um, and a lovely man pulled in across the road, and he came back over to me. He directed the traffic around my cat. Um, and he just consoled me basically while I was sitting there and, and he moved Chloe the cat did, did off the, cat the side die, of the road. did the cat die instantly? instantly by the time I got back like my partner pulled in about 30 seconds up the road at most I'd say and when he pulled in then I ran back down and by the time I had run back down the cat had passed away on the road then small mercy I suppose that he didn't suffer you know uh, that's it that's the only constellation really that he was gone straight away you know mm. So this man came and helped and... Yeah, um, he came over and he was directing traffic around him first and then he asked me to take over the directing of traffic um, and he went to his car and he got some cardboard and he moved the cat over to the side of the road so no other cars would hit him. Mm. Um, and then I thought that was just going to be that and I was just going to wait for my partner to come back but he actually sat down on a little wall on the side of the road and he sat there and talked to me and was asking about my other pets and about my cat and his name and his age you know just trying to distract me from what was going on really just this random man you never knew him never saw him before in your life Never, ever met him before. No, I'm actually not even sure if he's from Carrigtool or if he was just passing through because it's actually the road that kind of leads back out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I sat there then with him, I was still in hysterics while I was talking to him. But another man actually saw the condition I was in on the side of the road. So he pulled him further up. And when he came back down, we had explained to him what had happened, that my cash had got knocked down and had passed away. And he actually offered to take off the jumper that he was wearing to wrap the cash in. Oh. Yeah. And um, now I told him it was okay. He didn't need to, that it was fine. My partner was coming back. But after that, then he offered because there's a centre about two minutes up the road and he would have went and he would have got me a drink or he would have got me food or anything that I needed. Hmm. And you never got either of these? You were too distraught? Oh, to, I was far too distraught. You never got their names, no? Never got their names, no. And I actually posted on our local notice board on Facebook and nothing's come of it. Right, so give us, the, um, give us the time and the day. Um, so it was on 
Monday, and it would have been around half two in the afternoon. Okay, this Monday just gone. Yeah. Okay, and on on the road out of Carry Tool. Yeah, um, just by Aldi. Um, but I really, really appreciate what they've done because I would have been an awful way for the five minutes I was waiting for my partner to come back from collecting their daughter. I know, I know the Aldi down there. That's 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 the one down by the artificial lake, isn't it? Yeah, 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 we actually live just in by the lake, so the cat hadn't come too far in the car. And I say when we got onto the main road and started going, that the faster then. I had a friend who's living there actually, so I know the area. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine used to live in there before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, that was a lovely thing for them two men to do. Really was. Very kind of them. And when my partner returned, then the first, the initial man that had stayed sitting with me actually went back over to the Boosby's care and got a shoebox for us to put the cash into. Oh. Oh. That's that's lovely. Yeah, so they really couldn't have done any more for me if they should. Like most people now in a circumstance like that will just drive on and not really care. So it was lovely to think that not one, but two people came and helped that's not. That's really nice. That'd restore your faith in a lot of things, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. All right. What was the cat's name? Carlos. Carlos. Poor little Carlos. So, Monday afternoon, around two o'clock, near the Aldi there in Carrytool, by the artificial lake that's there, you were on your way out, you came across a distressed lady who whose cat had just died in an accident and you got out of your car one, not one but, but two of you separate cars got out and helped and Chloe if they're listening or anyone belonged to them is listening what would you like to say? Um, thank you so 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 much I honestly don't think I would have coped for the five minutes that my partner took to collect my child if both of you didn't stop and console me the way you did and I really really appreciate it Chloe, if you of them are listening, they're, they're, they're welcome to call. But you know, they sound like the kind of people that just wouldn't want any credit for it. They just did it because they're nice people. Thank you very much and sorry for the loss of little Carlos. What a lovely name for a cat. 0818 96 96 96. Cheers, Chloe. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Mind. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. My friend Ken O'Sullivan has this fascination on Facebook with checking up what international day it is. He, he, he does it every day. It could be strawberry shortcake day or hedgehog day, or, or whatever day. Um, today he has just announced to the world that it is World Bikini Day. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> there won't be too much celebration of World Bikini Day this year in Cork. It is a bit chilly for that. Like if we had had this in June, we'd have been grand. We'd have had World Bikini Day celebrated with wild abandon but unfortunately not today when we can expect maximum temperatures of 15 degrees 0818 96 96 96 do you remember the central statistics office came out last week with details of the census and things they had discovered in the census and one of the things that they published was that of all the counties in Ireland Cork people are the people who least want to leave their county. They might go abroad, 
for a couple of years, and but then they always come back, and they would much rather go to Kathmandu than to Kerry. They just want to stay in Cork unless they have to leave. And we were wondering why. We were wondering what was it about us that kept us here. Now, I read out your message, but there's more to it. This was about someone who came to help you when you were a bit stuck and you said, that's the kind of reason I love Cork. Morning. Hi, good morning. What happened? Well, I went to Super Value Wednesday evening from Cathedral Road. I got the bus up, said I'd be sensible and said I'd go to a local shop. So I saw the detours and came up around, came along by Super Value. So I went back over by the Credit Union, the top of Harvey Road, to get the bus down. All the buses anywhere were going any direction but Harvey Road, basically. Mm -hmm. So um, I was there about 40 minutes and this man, never met him before, he was going into Super Value. So I asked him if the bus was going that way and he said he didn't think so. Came back around again and he said, look, girl, if you're still here, he said, I get that car, my car moved. That's me. And he said, I'll come back to you. Never met the man. And he mm-hmm. came back in his van and dropped me down home. Oh, and talking on the way down, he knew my dad, he knew the, the Tony Goldie, my dad's first cousin, knew all of them, knew my mother, my late mother, knew John McCarthy from Churchfield. We had a great chat on the way down. So I said, if you're passing someday, come in for a cup of tea. <laughs> sure. I'm thinking, you sat into some randomer's van for yeah. a lift home. Where else in the world would you get away with doing that? You know, exactly, yeah. But I said, I, I said to him, oh yeah, don't worry, I know you live anywhere, something happens to me. I thought that was... <laughs> so, yeah. It's just a, it's a great, well, I hate saying just the north side, but I mean, that's where I was born and bred. There's a great community around here. I'm living in Grona Brawhurst, St. Declan's Road, and we still have a tourist here that you can call to something for a cup of sugar, a drop of milk, it's like a bartering system. <laughs> or if you're stuck for a cigarette in the morning, do you know, a bit of yeah. bread, anything... Yeah, and I just think it's fantastic I wouldn't go anywhere I have a cousin living in England she's going to listen to the podcast in a minute Stella and she comes back here even just for weekends for occasions she loves it here she, was, she spent her summers here you know she, she come back to borrow a cup of sugar does she no I got to, yeah a cup of sugar a cup of tea anyway she comes back for occasions yeah with a sugar bowl <laughs> and, so, and you got this man this man was Niall O'Sullivan and Niall O'Sullivan was his name yeah and did yeah. he know you to see no no no, no. Even That's though he'd been, he'd, been a friend, he'd been a friend of your dad? Well, you see, that from years ago. Now, not being a friend, he would have known my dad through the ghouls. You know, he know, knew of my dad. So right. he let my dad of 83. You're one of the ghouls. You're, are you related to Tom, the TD? Well, my, no. my dad and Tony Gould are first cousins. Right. So that would make us second cousins, I suppose. I see. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Do you know so, what? It's only a village for you. It's only a street when you think of it. Unbelievable. Shall we just put all... The fantastic Christmas up to Tony Gould's house with my mum and they'd have a singing in the corner and great times together. <laughs> yeah. Well, mind you, you're known for making a cup of tea. But <laughs> now, now, the thing is, you see, you're a Lions. Yeah. Please tell me you buy the good stuff. Well, of course, Lions tea bags is good. As my friend Robert comes ah, on for no, a cup of tea. Oh, stop, Cass. Oh, the berries. You, you surely, you surely serve berries tea. I don't know, I do make a lovely couple of lines, tea bags then. Like, like, no, when I that, my dad's a berry man now. Well, I suppose, you see, I, I guess if there's a brand of tea named after you, like, you kind of have to... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. I put the talk into tea, as my friend Robert said. <laughs> do, do you remember the ad? 
Yeah. Yeah, the little lions, the quality. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's a little thing. Lions, the quality. Yeah. 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 Anytime you're up shopping now, you'll be looking out for the van. I know, yeah, yeah. He's a, do you know what? It was, like, it was, it was very nice, so though. You'll get it anywhere else. But he made a comment, it was very funny. He said, if you're up the south side, you would get soaked if it was raining at the bus stop. I said, no, no. Well, well you see, as, as somebody who is born and bred south side, who has worked all my working life on the north side, yeah. And, and when I started working on the north side in the very early 90s, had to be sure. Sh- had to be shown around the place right. by a Nori friend of mine who I literally used to pick up. Morning, John, if you're listening. I used to pick this guy up at home because he worked strange hours. He worked in a bar, so he was around by day. So I, I was driving for the 96 FM newsroom. Right. And half the time, I had no bloody clue where I was going. So, yeah. so I'd go up and I'd get, my, I'd get my assignment as to where I was going. And then I'd pick your man up and say, I need to be here, I need to be there. So I had yeah. my own built-in Nori sat now. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. But I mean, even those star cabs there, I'm using them. Oh, but do you remember, st- do you remember they were in the top of Shandon Street? They're not, star are still not there, are they? They are, but they're down in the middle of Shandon Street. Remember, they're up at the top. What was the radio station? One, above no, the 120- if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Anti Shannon Street and up above it, I do yeah. believe was called Center Radio. Yeah, that's what it was. And I'm using them for donkeys here. All my family is I drink and I just say the car lions. Well, these taxi drivers now. There was Brendan. 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 McMurphy, Leonard. 
Um, no, the funeral. I've talked from Parkinson. There was a Brendan. Oh God, Brendan always came for me. Like Brendan, he's very funny. Yeah, is he still driving? No, he's not driving. He'd be on the base sometimes. Yeah. For God's sake, we're talking. We're talking like the the late eighties, early nineties. Like, I mean, I was often at the bus stop down by St Vincent's School, the crossroads there. Yeah. And one of the guys be passing up to do a job, and he clicked me, just dropped me up home for nothing. Shh. Yeah. They're not supposed to do that. I uh, know, no, but like he'd pass an hour, he'd whatever. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that now. <laughs> he dropped me off on his way. No one. But I walked in, in the English market. I walked in there in the old Harrington. So I mean, I met right characters in there that I'd seen. That I'm gone from there years now. Start. But uh, I, I still meet characters. Star cabs. The night I met the woman who's now been married to me, God bless her, for nearly thirty years. The night I met her, Star right. Cabs drove us home. Now, there you go, now. <laughs> they have a lot to answer for. <laughs> yeah, a lot to answer for. But yeah, I mean, I, I just, that's my opinion. I mean, there's the two Norries. There's so much good as that ah, coming out of the North side as well. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah, perfectly yeah. Well, Timmy, I'm very great with Timmy. Oh, you know Timmy, do you? Uh, Oh, very well, yeah. We go back years upon years. I yeah. did. I did the podcast with them last last September, October. I, you well, know. yeah, I watched them, yeah. And it was gas. I went in, and Timmy. No, these days Timmy wouldn't hurt a fly, but but he he went to shake my hand, and I was. I like, know. I did the strength. He nearly, yeah. the, he nearly take it off. And uh, I just, I just a very quick one over on, where on. I grew up behind the Wolf Tom Bar. You know, there's a square in there, the quarry we used to call it. I do well. I do school. well. Yeah. Well, I, like there's the five, there was the five houses: the O'Connells, the Sullivans, us, the Lanes's, McCarthy's next door, and the Collins. There's an Anthony Collins in them. The, the hidden employee, Anthony. Yeah, yeah. For goodness' sake. Yeah, yeah very good. Oh, <laughs> what put, a family! He put in very a system great. for me, you know. In yeah, Dublin. he's brilliant. He, yeah. He, yeah. he even used to He even used to go cross border to work in Dublin. He's brilliant. Yeah, he's so good. I have to say no. Um, but the bonfire nights, they used to travel far and wide to come up to our place because you'd always get us on my man and even would go in, no matter who you were, sit down there, you'd have a sweet. They'd give you a bag of sweets. They'd be still out at 8 o'clock in the following morning, all the women. Yeah. <laughs> and and then you see, we, we couldn't go out because the school, is St. Vincent's school is literally two seconds around the corner. <laughs> so we couldn't miss school because we got caught. We didn't even have a snow day. <laughs> up, up, you know? up, up behind the wolf tone. Should I used to do karaoke yeah. in the wolf tone for the love yeah, of Yeah, oh, my Josie Worden, my Johnny Manny's and all them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And as we always said, I said, Land is like cheering an old, the Land is the young, you'll be 19. They said, hi, girl. All right, bye, and grand. I said, everyone is girl and boy. <laughs> no. North Cider, oh, sorry, South Cider to North Cider. At least, right. uh, like, we are all right. We are all right, aren't we, like? Oh, we had loads of relatives out there. I plug that that was one. You know, I, okay, I, I, I mean, I had to get a work permit and all, like, you know. <laughs> and listen, when they're sorting out Ryan Tubbert, you know, he owes me one euro, ten cent for a cake. He, <laughs> I, I gave him a cake. he owes me one euro, ten cent for a donut, tell him. Where, where, where did that happen? In the, English, in the English market years ago. He came in on a Monday and I got a photograph for him and I gave him a donut. <laughs> was, it, was this down for the toy show or something? Was it the auditions? It was a long time ago. Jeez, about 10, 9 years ago, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's when they started doing the auditions around the country. Yeah, yeah. So Tubbs? Tubbs? <laughs> I know, yeah. So I, I, no, I, there's I, money, I, no, I want one ten. <laughs> I'd get on to Noel Kelly. Much yeah. chance can. I know, yeah. <laughs> There's a sweet story anyway, but I said I, I could have loads more, I could have a podcast for myself, I said, but well, thing, a very well, happy time. That you're full of life on a, on a Wednesday morning, according to... Well, I don't have a choice, three of a children. How many have you? How many have you? Well, I've actually four, I have a 29-year-old, 24-year-old, a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old, so I really went 
Paddy got backwards. God, you you <laughs> went. Did, did someone win a match or something? I know. Yeah, I had three grandchildren. Right, the five the five year old like was that a, was that a Liverpool match or something was it? Yeah, that was well like and you know, all well judging by the thing I think it was on Valentine so oh, God. <laughs> something oh, like that. Oh God, Valentine's went very well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I knew I knew a woman now like that. She had kids in their twenties and their late teens, and then she produces a a four year old. Yeah, my oldest grandson is a year and a day older than his uncle. <laughs> Small world. Oh, yeah. world. Oh, Ka- I've really enjoyed this I've really oh, enjoyed this but tell me you think anyway that one of the reasons that no one wants to leave Cork is life on the north side well I just that's my opinion yeah ah, definitely yeah. No, because I just think, I think that you're I, I, right. everyone would speak to you like we could yeah. up, walking up down Cathedral Road down Shandon Street people would talk about the weather you would, I, could, I often talk to people on the bus they wouldn't know from Adam and get their life story on know. the number two bus you, you know it? There's, and there's a thing about it, like if we, if we, if, and I'm long enough working up here to know it now. So if we started sort of behaving around the world like we do in our own patch, should we be arrested? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> was that weird of talking to me? <laughs> I was out. I, I was out. I, I said this a week or two. I was out, I was out in, in Cabaroy near, near Alicante on my holidays a few years ago. And I was out for a walk in the afternoon. And you know, you'd be now about quarter past four, it's 30 degrees. Hanging for a point, yeah. and and I and in, in the door of the the cabaret in the lovely pub, and I went up to the counter and I was having a pint, and and down the down the end came a voice, "I'll get up, boy." <laughs> and I goes, oh, oh, "Hello, God. how are you, PJ?" Yeah. I said, Christ, yeah. I can't go anywhere." I know, I said, that's that's for the laugh in the morning. Thanks, bye. That's the that's part. Yeah, I love your show. And Ross, Casey and Ross. Oh my God! Like <laughs> I think my kids think I've gone off my game from the laughing. <laughs> Can I'm already on my daughter actually does throw your voice. She says, Mammy, you going on the, 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 the quiz show that they have? What is that? The two grand men. That'll be back. That'll be back yeah. in the middle of July with Lorraine and Ross. I tell you something, wait till you, wait till you hear them too. <laughs> I know, yeah. Listen, Listen, thanks a million. Go on, Ka. Have a <laughs> good day. Phone call. Take, care, Thank take care. Lo- bye, bye, bye. Lovely talking to you. That was a joy. Brilliant crack on a Wednesday morning. That's Ka. Actually, there's an outside story that I tell against myself. It's a true story that when I started working on the north side with 96FM back in the day, I didn't know. I didn't know one corner of the north side from the other. My dad had been a serving guy up here for years, but I hadn't a notion about the north side. But <laughs> I used to call to my mate's house and anywhere I was going any time new, if he wasn't working, he'd sit into the car with me and he'd, he'd show me how to get there. And I still remember some of the rat runs he showed me until this very day. But there's a story. God, I haven't told this story against myself in a very long time. I was a very, very young baby broadcaster. And I was in the newsroom and going out doing a few bits and pieces. And I was asked, it was Barry <clears throat> in the newsroom, Barry O'Manny. I, I was. He asked me. I was. No, it wasn't actually Barry. It was Barry's predecessor, John Murray, was the editor, and he asked me to go out to the Garda station on Watercourse Road. There was something happening at the Garda station on Watercourse Road, so I said, "Grant, I'll be there." Watercourse Road. I would be driving up and down the road from now until next Christmas, looking for Watercourse Road. Garda station because I went straight out 
to Tremont Road like a total idiot. Wrong side of the city entirely. No, I know it a bit better than did, than, than now, but yeah, I did. I did. We all made those kind of stupid mistakes. 0818 96 96 96. On Mary McCarthy, the Irish dancing teacher, Anne says, one of the kindest, nicest people ever. She does things for those children you couldn't imagine. She's so modest about it too. Mary McCarthy, School of Irish Dancing in Mayfield and Glanmire. If I had younger children... I know where I'd be spend, sending mine. And on gifts for teachers, Dave started this one with an email this morning. Dave's missus at teacher present time came home and said, we need to put 40 quid into a voucher for a class gift for the umphalous teacher. And Dave is wondering, what the hell? What's that about like? That teacher's going to be going home with a voucher for several hundred euro. Could be a thousand if there's enough kids in the class, he said, is this something that they just do in middle class schools? Do any other schools in Cork do the same? And he said, we never get Cork talking about this scourge and prove to my wife that I'm in the majority of right-minded people. PJ, when my boys were in primary school, there was a group gift set up to make things easier and cheaper. Instead of sending 20 plus per family, each family put in a fiver. I must say, I refused to put money in and a teacher said they looked forward to the voucher every year so she could buy herself some jewellery. Oh, I used to make a pavlova and leave it into the staff room for all of pavlova. Oh, fresh homemade pavlova. Is there anything like it? Anything like it. But you refused to put in the money because the teacher said she wanted to buy herself some jewellery. Okay. Speaking as Michelle, speaking as a school secretary for many years, Gifts for teachers, SNAs, secretaries, they're not expected. They're very much appreciated. A card made by a child, a picture drawn by a child, is just as much appreciated. A bunch of flowers for three quid from Aldi is appreciated. Anything after that is up to parents. It's disgraceful if parents feel they're under pressure to spend or to give any more. And that's from Michelle. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Talking a lot about nice people this hour and nice things happening. And it's kind of a nice little buzz. So it is. Appropriately enough, Lisa Manning, how long have you been doing these teddy bears picnics in in CUH? Morning. Morning, PJ. Um, well, I suppose this is my first ever one I did. Okay. Um, I did an Easter egg collection for the frontline staff, and I went around as, as an Easter bunny, and I finished off in, in the children's war. So then I said, so I bought um, a teddy bear outfit, you know, on a whim like. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so then I decided that maybe it might be nice to go to Children's Ward. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I texted them and I said, how would you feel if I came up, you know, in my teddy bear outfit? And they said that we'd love it. So, yeah, I went up last Thursday. Why, why, why did you want to do that? Um, well, I suppose... You know, it's tough being signed on hospital, you know, with a child, you know, and I suppose, you know, it'd be nice to brighten up their lives a bit. Yeah. Have you kids yourself? No, no. And were you in hospital as a child? Uh, no. So it just, it just struck you as a nice thing to do? Um, yeah. Nice. You're an accountant, I think, are you? Um, 
Yeah, training. I'm just doing my exams at the moment. Okay. okay. So when you went into the CUH, the kids, I, there's a lovely picture actually on Cork Bio of yeah. you there in your it's a cute, cute costume, by the way. Thanks. And there's a child with a smile the width of Patrick Street. Yeah. Um, that child was um, having a tough day and um, the, her mother and the play specialist said to me, that um, when I was leaving, that that was the biggest smile that that girl had given since she'd been in hospital. Ah, oh, that's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. It's really nice. So it's things like that that, you know, that make it all worthwhile. Yeah, because, you know, I might have thought, and there's another lovely picture of you standing by a bed and little little girl there. Um, that's lo- no, because I, I might have thought, right, here's someone who was either in hospital as a child or has a child who's been in hospital... And, but no, just because you thought it would be a nice thing to do. Yeah. That's fantastic. And the parents love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How did they react when you walked in the bear? Um, oh, they were like, oh, my God. Because it was a total surprise. No one knew, apart from the CUH staff, yeah. the children's wars, and no one knew, so it was a total surprise. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> you, you, you've done... That and you said you did other things before. Remind me again what it was you said you did before the Easter egg, the, yeah. the Easter bunny thing. Yeah. You've you now being an accountant, of course, with a business head on your shoulders. You have set up a business. Yeah. Um. So I set it up about five weeks. Ago, yeah, about five weeks ago. And because um, I wasn't too already worried, it's because you know I'm working full time. Right. But it's taken off. Yeah. Who do you work with? Um, I work in McCroom. I work with Christine Acton. I see. I see. Rob, the tidy towns out there, are you? Yeah, I'm the secretary of McCroom Tidy Towns. Well, you're doing a great job because McCroom, last time I drove through, it looked spick and span. It's nice to hear that. Looks really nice, yeah. And I think, you know, the fact that uh, so much traffic isn't going through it anymore with the bypass, that's, that's making it even nicer and easier. Oh, yeah. To keep yeah, it tidy, so which is, it is great. Uh, yeah, it's so much easier now to go through it and all that. Yeah. Have you more plans for doing your little children's uh, visits to the hospital? Yeah, I do. I'll probably go back again a few more times during the summer. Yeah. And I'll do a toy collection every Christmas as well for the children's ward. Now, there's a thing. I'm thinking about that with Christmas. I mean, I could see where, you know, Mrs. Mrs. Santa himself yeah. been really busy. Mrs. Santa might pop in or... Yeah, I was um, Mrs. Claus last year for the Santa and the Fairy Garden, so I already have the stuff anyway. Oh, right, you've done it all. Yeah. But there's a lot more to you than, than, than meets <laughs> the eye. You've been planning something like And again, like, again, you have, do you have any kids? No? No? Um, probably. We'll probably have it again this year, yeah. Right, right. Well, when you're planning something around that, we'd love to hear from you again, because I think this is a. It's just a lovely idea. It's just, you just decided to do it because you wanted to. Yeah. Lisa, that's great. I think, I think, it's, I think it's brilliant. I really do. Uh, I really do. And your, your, your company deserves a plug. Um, it, is, it is called Children's Entertainment by Lisa, and you have a Facebook page. Yeah. And people can check it out. Facebook yeah, page yeah. there. All right. Okay. Well done to you. Well done, and I know the kids up in CUH really appreciated it when Lisa Manning turned up in her cute as anything bunny or bear. It's a it's a bunny, or is it a bear? Bear.
costume the other day and sat down by by the side of the beds and had a, a wee chat with the kids and slowly don't mind the north side says George Ballancolic is where it's at oh I don't know about that yesterday we were hearing that where it's at is Cape Clear heard from Ian who remembers his time going down to Cape Clear to the Gaeltacht and not today nor yesterday and he said he made such good friends in the Gaeltacht in Cape Clear that he still meets at least one of them for a pint every so often and we were also talking to the Irish College Inn Elon Clara um, about their need for, need for a ban and tea. And this name came up more than once in the course of the conversation. I wanted to inquire as to how he is because we haven't heard from him in quite a while on the opinion line. And he is, you describe yourself as alive and reasonably well. Ed Harper, good to talk to you, my old friend. How are you? Uh, not too bad. I'm uh, currently proving I'm a respectable citizen. I'm in. Uh in uh, Skibbery and Credit Union at the moment. <laughs> he just caught me. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm grand. Um, I thought I was retiring out of goats, but then um, somebody turned up who wanted to stay and help. So she's been here two and a half years now, and we have uh, ten kids, furry kids, that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, <laughs> how, long, how long have you been there, Ed? Because that's not a Cape Clear accident, like. No, 43 years in about a week's time. Wow. And what brought you there first? Um, initially, chance and, you know, coming on holiday. And then a uh, farm came up. And uh, it's the only way I would have ever gotten to farming because you either need to, certainly in England, you need to inherit a farm or be very rich. Mm. So, <laughs> and I'm originally from Manchester. We were neither, so... Mm. What, what's your background? Um, I've never this before. Uh, well, before this, I taught um, sociology and environmental studies for eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, the family is, is basically uh, cotton mill workers. Right. Gotcha. So 43 years out there. And did, I remember, did, did you lose your sight... While you were out there, or what happened? No, 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 no. I, I lost my sight when I was, um, well, one eye when I was 11 months old with measles, um, and the other with a pair of nail scissors when I was three and a half. So, but at least it was me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so here you were, and I'm, I don't wish to sound remotely disrespectful, and you know I'm not. You, yeah, fell, not. you fell passionately in love with a place you couldn't see. Yes, yeah, well, you could feel it, smell it, and, you know, generally experience it. Yeah. And in, in any case, there's, you know, there's, there's always two elements to any place. One is the physical place itself, and the other is the people. Yes. And, uh, you know, people change, people come and go, but the place stays the same, yes. more or less. Yes, and you have people then who come, they come and stay, and they, and they, they work, with, work the goats with you? Yeah, we, we're part of the WOOF programme which is the Worldwide Opportunities and Organic Farm. Oh, we so had we, it on before, yeah. Yeah, so we have volunteers who come and we teach them how to keep goats, basically. Right, okay. And do you do, you do the milk and the cheese and stuff? Um, yeah, yeah, we make, we make um, cheese, we make ice cream, and particularly at this time of year. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. mostly what we're doing. Fantastic, fabulous. So you're in Skibbereen Credit Union, 
doing normal yeah. things, and then you head back out to the Cape. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go back out there on the two o'clock boat, and uh, hopefully it'll be months before I come in again. <laughs> you don't, yeah, you don't venture in all that often. You said that to me before, all right. You don't venture in all that often. No, and and these days it's it increasingly painful because I've got a, a bad back, which is the result of forty-three years goat farming. But, uh, <laughs> May I ask, Ed, what age are you now? Uh, Seventy-four. Seventy-four, and still. Still, uh, well, you know, I haven't been. I was saying to to people, I haven't been on Cape Clear. It's more than thirty years. I must try and change that very, very soon. Yeah, come and see us. You must. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful place, and of course, hit by tragedy last weekend. You'll know, you'll know all. About I know that. it was awful. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a long time since the previous one, so I suppose. Yeah. You know, it's no help to his family, but at least it. it you know, we're not a place that commonly has accidents. Yeah. Yeah, it was just such a freak accident that ha- that happened. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Ed, I wish you well, and with a bit of luck, I'll see you before year's end. Look after yeah, them ghosts, look great. after yourself, and you're in one of the, you, you don't need me to tell you, you're one of the most, in one of the most beautiful places in the whole world. That's very true, yeah. You take care of yourself, fella. Okay, thanks. Cheers, Good there luck. you go. Ed Harper, the goat farmer. Of, of Cape Clear, 43 years on the island. I knew he was blind, but never until today did I know how he lost his sight. He lost one of them through measles and then accidentally stuck a, oh God, stuck a nail scissors in the other eye when he was only a toddler. Farming out there, thought he was going to retire, but they've 10 kid goats out there, so he's busy and doing the milk and the cheese and living the best life out <laughs> <laughs> and it comes into the credit union, as he says himself, to do to do sort of landlubber things. And um, doesn't go, get, come in that often. Ed, it's a joy to speak with you again. 0818 96 96 96. The URC trophy. Oh, oh, the URC trophy. The one that Munster won is coming to Skibbereen Rugby Club. All welcome. Thursday, that's tomorrow, 2 o'clock, Skibbereen Rugby Club. It's a gathering of all rugby enthusiasts and supporters. It's an opportunity to meet Gavin and Liam Coombs and celebrate their accomplishments thanks to Grace Leonard, who is the Hon Sec of Skibbereen RFC. If you want to get your picture taken with the trophy, tomorrow afternoon down at Skib Rugby Club. And a sad note as well, of course, um, Mr. Oliver, the um, Brig Oliver, the, the coach. Uh, so sad to hear of his passing in an accident in South Africa over the last couple of days and then the under-20s for whom his son plays and his son is a great player Jack is a great young player big future in the game they played so well yesterday then to qualify for the, the semi-finals of the under-20s they'll be playing South Africa and we will all be rooting for them but in the meantime a big day tomorrow Skibbereen Rugby Club the URC trophy will be on display and you can queue up and get your photo taken with it Thanks for that. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM.
Cork's 96FM presents the Live Wild Podcast with Hilary Rose at Cork Opera House, Saturday, July 22nd. Join Hilary live in conversation with her co-stars from the smash hit TV show, The Young Offenders, bringing you behind the curtain of the multi-award winning TV series and movie. All week long, Simon Murdoch is giving away tickets to get you to the show. Stay listening from midday to win. Live Wild's first live event in conversation with the cast of The Young Offenders, Saturday, July July 22nd at Cork Opera House with Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, that more from that RT story as it develops during the day. You've heard that this morning that Noel Kelly and Ryan Tuberty have written through a firm of solicitors to the Oireachtas and to say, okay, okay, we'll come in before the committee. We'll bring a load of paperwork with us. We'll tell you as much as we can. We'll make a statement and take questions. The two of them. That'll be very interesting. We're going to do that next week. They've, um, they've, they wrote to the committee through a firm of solicitors. There's a word, actually. Look, this randomly popped into my head like these things do. Why is it called a firm of solicitors? Where'd that come from? Firm, you know? We don't say a solicitor company. We don't say a legal company, you know? We say a firm of solicitors, whereas, you know, this radio station is operated by a media company. Well, a firm of solicitors. Where'd that come from? I'm sure someone will tell me. I know the random things that pop into my head. 0818 96 96 96. Speaking of random things, one thing we love to do on this show is pick up on strange stories from around the world where we can get a cork contact on the ground to tell us more. There's a plan in New Zealand to eliminate rats, to effectively exterminate and stamp out every last rat in New Zealand. They don't like rats because they're predators. Now, I also read something rather disturbing about hunting cats and they don't like cats in New Zealand and they would prefer, even though they can't stop people, keeping rats, keeping cats as pets, they'd prefer that they didn't. So I'll get to that in a minute, but they want to, the New Zealand government want to eliminate all rats in New Zealand by the year 2050. It was the brainchild, such as they were, of a man called Sir Paul Callaghan a few years back. A company, a public body was actually set up in New Zealand. This gets madder and madder. A public body has been set up in New Zealand to channel both government and private business money into eradicating rats. And there's a company also called Predator Free Wellington. Now, Wellington's a city of 200,000 people. And they want to eliminate all rats from Wellington. They will even equip and fund teams of rat catchers to go out and do this. 
from the maddest story. And I know they did it in parts of China when they had a big rat problem out there. They managed to eliminate rats in parts of of China. But uh, Cathy O'Sullivan formerly worked for the Echo here in Cork and she's now living and working in New Zealand for quite a number of years. She'd been on the show with me before. She joins me. Cathy, this is the maddest, <laughs> the maddest thing I've ever heard. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Well, um, it might sound bizarre to you there in Cork, but actually it's been a program that's been in place um, basically since the 60s. There's been a real movement to um, reduce and try and eliminate certain predators here in New Zealand. Um, And basically it's to protect the native species. So New Zealand has tons and tons of wonderful bird life here that are you know, unique to New Zealand and with the introduction of rats and possums and rabbits and 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 feral cats, that's all kind of um, impacted the numbers. And yeah. in certain cases, we don't have certain species of birds anymore. You said the introduction of rats and cats because they weren't always there. It's a strange thing about New Zealand. Exactly. So 83 million years ago or something like that, um, New Zealand, as it was then, broke off from the continent and it had no mammals whatsoever. And, you know, the bird life thrived here for for quite a long time, Uh, even had massive birds called moa, which are kind of like a cross between an ostrich and a dinosaur. It's a massive bird. And that was eliminated when uh, humans came here in the 13th century and started um, hunting them. So, yeah, we we, you know, for, for for a long, long time, New Zealand has had no mammals and a thriving uh, native species. But yeah, with people arriving on boats, rats came on the boats, people brought over deer, introduced deer, wallabies, all kinds of things that, you know, found nice tasty snacks and eggs to eat and feast on. So um, yeah, that's impacted the numbers over the years. Now, if someone said here, we're going to eliminate rats, we'd say good luck with that. You're never more than six feet from a rat. How's it going for them? Well, there's certainly islands like here where I live in Auckland in the Hauraki Gulf, which is the big, beautiful harbour here. And um, there's some islands that have no pests whatsoever on them. So they, they um, take a real stringent approach, like your bag gets checked going to the island. They've got in certain areas, they'll have sniffer dogs to see if they can um, find any stowaways on your boat. Or, or in your bag. So there's certain islands around the place that are totally pest-free and the bird life is thriving there. They're gorgeous places to visit. Mm. Um, and then there's real local kind of community efforts. So, I mean, here where I live, we've got, you know, rat traps around the place because we are on the back of a, a reserve here, a nature reserve. So, yeah, um, there's certainly a lot of, like, on-the-ground local effort to, you know, try and get the rats out. There's quite active groups as well that will hunt possums and and sell the pelts, but it's all part of a pest eradication program. And even PJ, there's a local um, shooting competition down in North Canterbury where young kids um, have been shooting feral cats. And again, you know, it's 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 hold on, hold on, wind wind that back a little bit. Kids (laughs) shooting. Now leave out the feral word for a second. Kids shooting cats. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, you know, cats, um, they do eat the the eggs. Um, you know, there, there's very little that those um, bird life 
can do to protect their eggs and their nest and their offspring. So, um, yeah, cats are, are honestly just as bad as the rats. Um, certainly a cat I had many years ago would often come home with a little native bird in her mouth and it was quite upsetting to see that. Cathy, so, as yeah, a cat lover myself, I am appalled at this. i tell you why. That little cat that brought home a bird to you, that's being a cat. Yeah. I, I have occasion. Yeah, I have two cats. Occasionally, they leave a little gift for me on the back doorstep. And fine, it's unpleasant for the bird, but that's cats. I know, but, the, you know, there's certain birds that we have. I mean, for example, the Takahe, which is a crazy, like, amazing-looking bird. There's only 300 of them left here. So, you know, if you had your little moggy out, you know, eating all of these birds' nests, and um, attacking those birds, we would have none. So it's 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 kind mm. of all part of just trying to trying to protect as much as is actually practical and, and feasible, and um, the, the native species. Now, wildcats, we have capture, neuter, and release programs here in Cork, as I'm sure you know, being from here. But people keep cats as pets, like you did once. Is that discouraged in New Zealand now? I wouldn't say it's discouraged. There's certainly been a lot of chatter about it. And indeed, one politician in Wellington many years ago, that was one of his policies, was that basically to try and stop people having more cats. You know, you could have the cat you had, um, uh, but any cats after that, it was, yeah, that was certainly something he tried to do. But, you know, New Zealand's definitely a nation of pet lovers, so I can't say that um, cats or indeed dogs will uh, will never be part of the mix. Yeah. And how do the children react to being encouraged to shoot cats? Uh, well, I think that particular group are, um, you know, it, it's it's. I wouldn't say it's common, you know, that yeah. certainly, you know, made the headlines here. Um, but, you know, I guess they grew up in a rural area and, you know, it's all part of their approach to to keeping down the wild cat numbers. Yeah. And it's the weird thing, because cats keep down the rats. So if they left the cats alone, <laughs> they might eradicate the rats. It just seems... Well, and from, cats also eat the eggs of the birds. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. From, from yeah. the other side of the world, it looks like trying to interfere with the circle of nature, but New Zealand has a different take on it. Well, it, it, I mean, biosecurity here is massive. You know, it's, 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 it's a huge part of life in New Zealand. When you arrive into the airport from overseas, your bags are checked, you know, through special scanners to try and find any bit of fresh food or wood or anything that you're bringing into the country and, and stop you from bringing it in. We even have sniffer dogs at the airport. You think they're for drugs, but they're not. They're actually for trying to see if, if UPJ, when you arrive, have a, a banana that might have something in it or a, an orange or a piece of wood with them, some kind of pest in it. So it's it's a they take it hugely seriously here. You get a $400 fine immediately at the airport if, if you even have the peel of an orange in your bag get away i'm not i'm not joking it's huge it's it's something that you know the country takes really really seriously crikey so i have an orange on the plane as i'm traveling i gotta get rid of the peel before i land 
Oh, you, yeah, or any of us. So, yeah, it, it would be a very expensive orange if you decided to bring that into the country. That's incredible. You know, it leads me to think, and I wouldn't want to trivialise it, Cathy, but it, it leads me to understand a little bit more now about how how harsh the lockdown was over there, but how it seemed to have worked during COVID. <laughs> they know how to do it. Yeah. Yes, yes. I wouldn't say it was perfect, but there was certainly, uh, yeah, rules were set and rules for the most part were followed. And lastly, when was the last time you saw a rat since you moved? Oh, that's a good question. I actually can't remember the last time I saw a rat. I probably heard one under our deck maybe about six or seven years ago and the dog was going crazy, but I haven't seen one in a while. I'm sure they, they'll be around for sure, but I, I definitely haven't seen one for a long time now. Sounds like it's working. Cathy, thank you. Take care. Cheers. That's um, that's Cathy O'Sullivan, uh, formerly of The Echo and in uh, New Zealand now for quite a number of years. But that's, it's the bizarre story. I, I'm not happy about the cat thing though. I, I don't, See, and that happens, I don't like this idea that you wouldn't let a cat be a cat. Like, I have two. Now, one is nearly 11 and the other is coming up for nine. So they're old ladies. And one of, the, one of, one of my cats is on medication for a dodgy thyroid. The first thing I have to do every morning is give her medicine. Like, that's... But they'll bring me a little present now and again. Now, it's been a while, admittedly. But they'll bring me a present now and again. Um, Having been out for the night, there'll be some little gift on the back doorstep for me. And it might be a little vole or a small little mouse that they found. It could be a slightly bigger thing that they found. But on occasions, it could be a bird. And yeah, it's, it's tough on the bird, but that's cats. Circle of life kind of thing. Now, I know when I say that to people, they get horrified. People say to I mean, Jer, my friend Jer texted in here last week when I mentioned this. The horrible, nasty, evil creature. No, they're not. No, they're not. I love cats. And if a cat brings me a present in the morning of, of a little bird or a mouse or something, whatever, I'd say... Good cat, good girl, good, could give a little treat, see. Don't like the idea, I certainly don't like the idea of children being encouraged to hunt cats in, in New Zealand. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Lorraine and Ross in the morning starts July 17th. Test drive the award-winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at no DC cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Corks 96 FM. We have all had experience. I know I, I certainly have, and Emer had over the last uh, few days of going into a place to get something to eat or get something to drink and discovering that, say, the kitchen isn't open. It happened to me, I was down in West Cork, a lovely place, and we've been there a couple of times so far this year, and we've always stopped for a bite to eat, always in the same venue. It's just, you know the way you find a place and you like it and you go back there? But we were down there on the June weekend, I think it was, or before the June 
weekend of a Sunday. The, the day I remember, I remember it where well, Cork and Limerick were playing hurling. So that's the day, whatever date that was. And we said we'd have a, a, a boy to eat and I was going to have a point because herself was driving and went into this bar in this hotel that we know up to the counter to say, can I order some food? And the man said to me, he said, look, he says, y- y- I don't have a kitchen until five o'clock. This is about 20, 20 to five, half, half four, 20 to five. I said, that's right. We'll wait. Not in any hurry. I said, can you take an order now? Because the menu in my hand. He said, I can, but I can't put it in any faster. He said, I, I literally don't have a, a kitchen until until five o'clock. I've, I've no, nobody. And then, of course, as happens from time to time, he said, do I recognise your voice? I said, well, you might. <laughs> Bit of an occupational hazard. He said, I'll tell you what, he said, I can't get staff. I cannot get staff, especially on a Sunday. Um, yeah, I had two people, he said, hand in their notice recently because they wanted a better work-life balance and they didn't want to work on Sunday in a shagging hotel. And he said, there's no one around to take the jobs. So when they left, it was not, not like there was a queue outside the door for people to replace them. So here he was stuck with a very, very short of staff. And it's out there. Uh, Brendan Cashman uh, owns Ox Restaurant in Kinsale. You put an ad up recently, Brendan. You're trying to open in in the next few days and you're still short for a few members of staff. Morning. Morning, uh, PJ. How are you? Thanks for the call. We are indeed. We're... Uh Again, just like you were just saying there, we are particularly stuck for the kitchen. Uh, now, luckily, I'm a chef myself, um, uh, so I can hop into the kitchen, but we won't be able to open to the full capacity that we wish to do so. Um, now, we have had a lot of interest from this ad, and we have had a, actually a, quite a wide range of age groups coming in for the front of house. Um, again, look, addressing what you were saying earlier, the work-life balance is important, uh, and, and we're aiming for a you know, a, a quite a casual environment here where people aren't working huge long days. And I think I'm from this industry, I've been in this, this industry 30 odd years. Historically, there would have been very, very long days. And often, you know, you, you could, certainly in hotels, you could be facing 10 day rosters. And we're addressing that by offering very flexible uh, working hours. Mm. And, and, and as yet, we just haven't had not even a sniff of a. Uh, of a chef or a cook or anybody interested in getting it stuck into the kitchen. And is it that they're not out there or they're all employed already or what? Uh, yeah, there's a look, there's a, look, this is, this is not new news. There's, there's been a, a shortage of skilled, um, chefs in particular for a very long time. Um, uh, particularly at the high end, um, restaurant, uh, market. We're, we're not that. We're, uh, in the casual end of, of the, of the market. Look, uh, everybody, I'm, I'm not. I'm not the only one uh, stuck in this position. This is a national, um, uh, for, for want of a better word, crisis. But mm-hmm. this is going on a long time. Are you talking to each other about why this is the case? Um, I think. Look, a lot of it is to do with uh, with housing. I have a, another business in the city that we produce chocolates. Just to give you an example, um, we've been trying to get a chocolatier that's. Now that's a very highly skilled yeah. uh, labour requirement. We, were, we had we had interviewed people um, very much um, 
look, they were based in France. They were willing to, to move to Cork. Cork's an attractive place to live um, in terms of its size and, and what, what it offers. But again, they just couldn't get anywhere to live, you know. Yeah. So accommodation is, is, is certainly a big part of it. Yeah, and rent as well, even if they can get a place to rent. The rent, is, yeah. the, the rent is the rent is a killer, yeah. I mean, um, with, with the greatest... Um, aspirations in the world look you know n- nobody wants to pay 50 quid for a, a pizza so you know you've got to balance what, what you can offer your yeah. your labour force versus what the customer is willing to pay like I take and sale at the moment like what what's the going mm. if you can find a place what's the going rent down there um so far, I, I know two people that have just rented out a property, a two-bedroom apartment, and it's in excess of fifteen fifty a month. So, so that's now that's probably not not as bad as um, as others. But there aren't spaces to rent on her. Mm-hmm. Immediately when you start talking to people like yourself in the industry, mm-hmm. be they in restaurant, hotel, bar, wherever. Yeah. There's a predictable flow of comment that says, Asher, pay them better. Give them better paying conditions. Pay them properly yeah. and they'll work for you. Yeah, that's not necessarily the case, I don't think. Yeah. Um, again, as I said, that's, look, um, there, there is a reality. People don't want, customers don't want, and I think we were, we're um, you know, we're a pretty expensive country to eat out in and drink out in uh, as it is. Yeah. Um, uh, as I say, nobody wants to pay 50 quid for a pizza. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah look, there's a balance there. And uh, look, we're, we're offering competitive rates the same as anybody else. And mm. we'd like there's, to think- there's a view out there, Brendan. And look, mm. I, I, I know that people I talk to tell me that it's a myth. But I'll put the question to you anyway. There's a, there's sure. a view out there that it's all minimum wage. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, look, there is an entry level. Again, like any job, um, there, and we will have people come in here who've never been uh, in, in worked in this environment before. And yes, they'll be starting off on minimum wage. They also have, um, obviously, they have their, their tips. That's management and ownership have nothing to do with, with that side of it. Um, and obviously, the, the more experience you have, the, the, the more... Um, uh, you know, you, you can command a bit more per hour. Yeah, hotels must be struggling too. I mean, they use a lot of seasonal staff. They must be struggling big time. Uh, hotels are struggling, yeah. Um, and again, and I think primarily, probably in the um, the food service side of things, rather than than the bedrooms. You know, mm. Um, mm. And another one. Emma mm. has been on uh, West Cork uh, tourist village at the weekend. Got talking to a pub owner. He said he couldn't hit a beautiful patio out the back. Couldn't yeah. open it. No staff. Yeah, no, it's crazy. No it's staff crazy. to serve out there. Yeah, yeah. And look, uh, I know from five, a lot of friends in, in this business that are, are still, after the pandemic, still only able to open their businesses two, three, four nights a week. Mm. Um, it's simply just because of the staff shortage. Yeah. And was it that costs went up so much as well that people cut yeah, back their hours? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, turning on lights is is now something that you have to start really thinking about. Um, you know, um, it may not be worth uh, certain places opening during the day. So, and it, and it's not good for for any any city or town to have tourists coming into uh, coming into it, and it's it's kind of lifeless. Yeah. Moreover, I think we Irish we tend to just 
grind our teeth and get on with it, like my experience down uh, in, in West yeah, York. Yeah, so, yeah. He said, I can't, I can't really do so much as, as fry a chip for you yeah, until crazy. five o'clock. I said, well, that's fine. I'll have a pint and a pack of crisps when I'm waiting. I'm grand. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm, not going, I'm not running anywhere. Like, But yeah, imagine yeah. if I'm someone who's just come in and expected... What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, um, we, we don't seem to have these problems in, in other big European cities and our sense. So I, I don't know why we have all these um, these issues here. And, like, you know, we have some of the best uh, provenance uh, food uh, in, yeah. in, in the country down Absolutely. here. It, it's crazy we can't get it out there, you know. We can't get it. We can't serve it or cook it. We can't get it out there. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. All right. You you do have shameless opportunity for you. Yeah. What do you, what do you have? What do you need? Well, 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 we're fortunate. We've recruited. We've managed to recruit a great guy um, uh, as our general manager, and uh, that's where we are right now. So we, we're we're open to. Um, we're looking for you know people who can mix cocktails, and moreover, moreover than any of the skills besides obviously the kitchen, you need to have some level of of experience and expertise and. We just want people who are uh, a want to be here and, and do some work and uh, you know have a smile on their face. Yeah, your ad said, "Where are all the sixty-plus brigade? Where what are they? To the twenty-somethings yeah. are the yeah. over forties in hiding? There's no teen spirit." Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Hopefully, we can get open. All right, Brendan, thank you, and good luck with it when you do. Brendan Cashman of Ox Restaurant in Kinsale, which is in the old Crackpots premises. Good luck with it when you do get open. 0818 96 96 96. Bernie says she was appalled at the lady on talking about shooting cats. Well, to be fair to Cathy, she was not endorsing it, and she was saying that the hunting group that I referred to had been kind of disbanded but feral cats are a big problem for them in New Zealand because feral cats prey on birds and they are trying to save their species of native bird so cats are deemed to be a predator and they want to eradicate them as they do rats well feral cats anyway as they do rats 50 years from now New Zealand will be complaining about bird poo and bird attacks and also, New Zealand is creating serial killers since 2023, but getting rid of the feral cats. I don't think I know to what you refer there, but okay. <laughs> yeah. 0818 96 96 96. Could it be people don't want to be chefs anymore? By the way, I've worked in kitchens. It's serious work, hot, sweaty, and stressful. The money ain't great, and unless you have a passion for it, then be honest. There's other jobs on similar money with your weekends off. It is what it is, said Kevin. And you're right, Kevin. It's not that attractive and you really do need to be into it. But if we want to eat, some people's got to cook. That's that's just how it works. On cats, my sister's cat used to bring birds or mice into the kitchen. There'd be feathers everywhere, says Deirdre. Yeah, and Polly in Balancholic says maybe... She shouldn't let her cat out if she's afraid of anything happening to her cat. Yeah. I, I, I look. There's a there, there. There tends to be a kind of a hatred of cats out there that I don't. I don't get it anyway. As a, as a cat lover, but, but as I say, it is. It is what it is. Rather a special guest uh, to finish us out today uh, is just back in Boston after a very high-profile visit to Ireland, where she addressed the Shannon. 
and we'll chat with her next. 0818-969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. So in the midst of all this political row about Torbordy's wages and whatever you're having yourself, there was a, a major event last week at Leinster House that you might well have missed on Tuesday week last, June 27th, the Shannon was addressed by Maura T. Healy, the governor of Massachusetts. She was there to mark two anniversaries, 60 years since the visit of JFK to Ireland and 30 years since the law on homosexuality was changed and it was no longer a crime to be gay. That's only 30 years ago. The governor is an Irish-American member of the Democrat Party. She's in her early 50s. She's Massachusetts' first ever female governor, the first gay woman ever elected governor anywhere in the U.S. She was a civil rights lawyer before going into politics, and she has very strong Irish roots in Cork, Kerry, and Galway. It's very, very early in the morning in Boston now. So, Governor, I'm grateful to you for taking time out to be with us on Cork's 96FM. Do you get back to Ireland very much? Good morning. You know, I had um, made several trips to Ireland starting from the time I was in my 20s. I have a number of cousins here, so um, I've been over over uh, several times, but a little bit different this time as governor, that's for sure. Tell me about your Cork connections. They're very strong. Well, my, my grandmother was from McCroom, um, and my, my grandfather was from not too, too far away. He was from, from Cary. Um, but, you know, my grandmother spoke frequently of, of Cork and her love of Cork and, uh, and Cork relatives. And uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. I'm sorry that I can't make it to Cork for this visit. It's just a, a quick trip here with a lot of business and trade and celebration of JFK and the like. So I'm really mostly in Dublin right now. But I hope to be able to return and and visit Cork. Well, we would love to have you. It is the anniversary, the 60th anniversary of JFK's visit. It's also the 30th anniversary of this week. Uh, and, you know, so many of my younger listeners, Governor, when you say to them that it was once a criminal offence to be gay in Ireland, it's only 30 years since that ceased to be. It's, I know, it's, it's something. And, you know, I, I was so happy to be able to to be here for, for Pride. And I want to cr- congratulate all those across Ireland who worked so hard for the movement to advance LGBTQ plus equality. Uh, congratulate all who celebrated uh, this past weekend Pride. I, I came into town and just missed what I heard was a fantastic parade. But 30 years since decriminalization in Ireland. And, you know, Massachusetts, we sort of have followed a similar path. Um, you all ended up recognizing uh, the right to marry through uh, a referendum, which I think was most significant. We did it through court cases, but I think both Massachusetts and Ireland have been on this this journey together. Um, I also know it's the case that we still have work to do. There are still young people out there who don't yet feel secure, don't yet feel the support, who are experiencing mental health issues. We see a rise of transphobia uh, in the United States, and you know that's something that uh, concerns us all. And you know we need we need to continue with the work at 
uh, definitely worth celebrating all that, that Ireland and the people of Ireland have done to advance just basic sort of respect and, and, and human decency and goodwill and by recognizing and protecting the civil rights of members of the LGBTQ plus community. Your speech in our opera house, Irish Hannad, it seemed to be an emotional moment for you. Oh, it was so emotional and I, I didn't intend to, to, to get emotional, but I think, you know, something about being back in the Shannad, like being in Ireland and being able to, to appear there, I'm used to visiting cousins, you know, whether they're in Ballinasloe or, or Galway, down Kilgarvin, or, you know, even in Cork, right? I mean, I'm used to just being over as a as a tourist and, uh, you know, spending time with, with, with family. Um, but to be appearing in that historic chamber and, and speak, you know, in the very room that JFK spoke from, it was very, very moving to me. I did have cousins who... I had traveled in from, from different places to, to take in the speech, including from Cork. Um, my mother made the trip to, to here home to, to, to Ireland with me, and she was there. And so I was just very moved, you know, thinking about my grandparents and my great-grandmother who left Ireland, not because they wanted to, but because they simply were trying to, to make make their way and, and make a better life in what was a really, really hard time, you know, and... Um, I, I just was sort of moved with with the personal history of, of all of that, not to mention the sort of professional history, right? I mean, I was elected this year in Massachusetts, the first time Massachusetts has ever elected a woman, first time that uh, uh, an out gay woman has been elected governor in the entire United States. And, you know, I think about the fact that it wasn't that long ago where you know, women and LGBTQ people, we, we just didn't have uh, the same civil rights and protections. And, you know, I'm grateful to those who, who made it possible for me to, to get elected and to make this very trip to Ireland and, and be able and invited to, to speak by the Irish government. And the uh, colleague uh, was, 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 the, it was terrific in, in, in extending the, the invitation a while back. Jerry, a corkman, of course. Yeah, Jerry's a cork man. He is. He reminds me of that frequently. And I had an opportunity to uh, spend time with him actually in Massachusetts. And uh, so I look forward to, to seeing the, the Kaharlik, uh later on, hopefully in the year um, uh, on the other side of the Atlantic. Yeah. Your political achievements in being, as you said, the first female governor, the first gay governor in, in the entire history of the United States, which I found hard to take in at the time. Is that still settling in with you, Maura Healy? Well, it, I'll tell you um, when I notice it. I, know, I notice it when, when young people come to my office or if I'm out and about and young girls um, and, and young members of, of the LGBTQ community who, you know, come up to me and they, they talk about how, how great it is for them to, to see me in this role. They didn't expect to see somebody who was like them, look like them in that role. And so, you know, that to me... Um, is moving and it also, you know, makes me feel absolutely a certain responsibility with this position to make sure that I'm doing all I can to open the door wider for others. Broaden the discussion a little bit, if you wouldn't mind. You're very outspoken on gun control and reform. We look at the United States. We, we don't know what to think when week after week there's another shooting here, another shooting there. I, I spoke to a man only a few weeks ago who was coming home to Ireland after 27 years and what finally nailed it for him was when 
a cop came into his eight-year-old girl's classroom to tell them what they'd do if a man came in with a gun. You've got a very, very serious problem in, in the United States, Governor. How does one begin to tackle it? Well, we do. Guns are now the leading cause of death for young people in America. I believe every day we we see 120 Americans killed with firearms. And the sad thing is this is all preventable, you know, and it's why I've long, uh, I have for a long time advocated for strong gun laws. We have very strict gun laws in Massachusetts, and as a result, we have lower rates of gun deaths compared to the rest of the country. So that's the first thing. You need strong gun laws, and they need to be enforced. We also need to treat this as the public health epidemic that it is, and that's what I try to do. I frame it as an issue of public health where, we're, where you know, people are dying every day, sometimes even at their own hands with a gun, and we have to do more to get mental health resources out there um, and to, to reach uh, people and intersect with and head off the violence that we're seeing. Right now in America, you see a number of young people who have guns. And part of that is because, and, and the reason for that is become, is because guns are way too easy to come by. Um, we have states with very, very lax gun laws. And, you know, as a result, we have so many guns out there and, people having access to guns that should not have access to them because they're a danger to themselves or, or others. So we've got to continue to push hard in the United States. Uh, it's such a contrast when we look at Ireland and we look at other countries. Um, the, it, I, I know it must be absolutely shocking to people to hear about the incredibly high rate of gun deaths in America, and it's absolutely preventable. It's almost a case if we turn on the radio and hear of another one and we just go, oh, no, not again. When is it going to end? It will take a federal change, do you think, rather than a state-by-state one? Well, certainly I would love to see more states enact strong gun laws like we have in Massachusetts. Um, uh, Federal gun laws would help. Just basic ones around stronger background checks, making sure that people who are a danger to themselves or to others don't have access to guns. So, you know, there are some things that could be done federally. Um, currently, Congress, you know, hasn't been willing to take this up. Yeah. It's become way too politicized. And it's really unfortunate because it's a matter of public health. I mean, imagine any other thing out there that was killing 120 Americans a day. You know, um, we would be taking action, you know, and firearms, treat them like the consumer product that they are. Regulate them. You know, uh, you could do a number of things there and, and we've just got to continue to push because it's heartbreaking for me when I meet with survivors and, and, and victims. Uh, we just have to end this epidemic. Speaking of things that are killing people, you, in your background as a lawyer, were very active against Purdue Pharma and the OxyContin addiction epidemic uh, that is across America. We know a lot about it here because of the, the Dope Sick television program, and indeed we're privileged to have one or two excellent contributors on the issue here on my program. But opioid addiction in the United States, it is horrific, Governor. It is, and this is something that was really manufactured, created by corporate greed, specifically the corporate greed of opioid makers, of opioid manufacturers like the Sackler family who owned Purdue Pharma. And it's just 
so devastating. Every day we continue to lose people to the opioid epidemic. The ripple effects, it's just terrible. We have so many grandparents raising grandchildren because their children aren't able to uh, raise their own children or have uh, overdosed and died um, and are no longer around. And it's just, it's just heartbreaking. So we, we have this opioid epidemic that, you know, really started with uh, Purdue Pharma and OxyContin and then just sort of grew. And unfortunately, what we saw happen in the United States in the last few years is we've seen the introduction of Sentinel, which is uh, another synthetic man, man-made. And it is really the driving force behind the overdoses and deaths that we are seeing. So we've got work to do. Um, we've got real work to do in terms of getting people access to the kinds of care that they need, to mental health services. We don't want people turning to substance uh, substances as, as a means of coping, but unfortunately, you know, we see that we need more education, more prevention. But I was proud of Massachusetts when I was attorney general. We sued the Sackler family. We put them and Purdue Pharma out of business and we collected, you know, uh, a lot, a lot of money, um, hundreds of millions of dollars that we've now uh, put into prevention and, and treatment. But boy, uh, we we have a lot of work to do and, and it continues to be a struggle. That was a remarkable achievement and your personal involvement in it. Congratulations on it, Governor. Uh, you've had a varied career. A professional basketball player, I almost forgot that. <laughs> Lawyer, Attorney General, now Governor. You're a young woman. Is there any possibility that Governor Maura Healy might at some stage like a tilt at the White House? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me if I could play in our Women's Professional Basketball League in America. Uh, the answer to that is no, I'm too old and my, my knees are, are shot. But That's the basketball question. What about the White House? <laughs> oh, no, I, I love what I do. Uh, and I love what I'm able to do as, as a governor in, in a great state like Massachusetts, home to so many Irish people. And, and that's really... Uh, what I'm focused on and, and, and absolutely feel so privileged to be doing. Um, I was pleased to see President Biden over here. He had a wonderful visit just a few months ago and, you know, looking forward to supporting him in his run for re-election. It's been an absolute privilege to speak with you on The Opinion and Governor Maura Healy, proud granddaughter of Cork. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me and uh, thank you for welcoming me home. And uh, please, anybody who's looking to visit Massachusetts, please come by and see me in the State House. Thank you. All right, you take care. Cheers, Governor. Governor Maura T. Healy. Nice woman, a woman I think we'll hear of again. I wouldn't be ruling her out down the road a little bit. She, she played that question brilliantly, politically, and a bit of basketball defence involved as well. <laughs> Nice one. Particular hat tip, we don't normally do this here, but particular hat tip to Fergal for putting a lot of work into the protocol of a governor's office. You can't just ring him up and say, will you go on the show? Um, so particular hat tip to Fergal who had to cut through layers of protocol to get her on. Thank you very much for that, Fergal. On uh, his holliers at the moment, so enjoy the break, my friend. 0818969696. I know I had good news for you before I finished today. I found something that didn't go up and I was... Shocked and stunned and not a little amazed, as Billy Connolly used to say yesterday. I got a letter. Something didn't go up. It wasn't the electricity. It wasn't the gas. It wasn't the house insurance. That's gone up. 
Um, it wasn't the car insurance that went up. Um, it wasn't the groceries, they're gone up. Uh, my VHI didn't go up. I'm lucky enough, and I know I'm talking to a lot of people who can't afford health insurance, but I was looking at the prospect of shopping around and switching and all the old toing and froing you need to do every summertime when it changes. My VHI for 2023-2024 is exactly the same price as it was for 2022-2023. I have signed up again in case they made a mistake. That's it. Programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Richard Vickery. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. And we'll talk again tomorrow, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.